Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, the, the, the old weird train. Going strong. Going strong. No, no signs of stopping here, even though we're, uh, we are really in the throes of producing the show here, which is so exciting. Actually, today, the day I'm recording this intro, uh, we are filming our first episode, which is incredible. Kumail is our first guest uh, on the show, just like he was the first guest on the podcast and the first guest on the live podcast, which is, which is a nice little tip of the hat to the old weirdos who I sincerely uh, hope and expect to enjoy, to enjoy uh, the TV show. So if you want to come to that, it's PeteHolmes.com slash tickets. That's if you're in the L.A. area or are going to be in the LA area and uh, it's uh, obviously the Pete Holmes show it starts October 28th after Conan four nights a week at midnight on TBS did I already say that check it out check it out yes this is a wonderful episode and uh, I'm so glad June took the time to sit down an emotional episode and a lovely episode and uh, she she was doing this partly to promote her new movie which is called Ask Backwards it's out in theaters uh, on November 8th but it's available on iTunes now so check out Ask Backwards the sponsor of this show is the enemy series from Hyperion it's uh, us versus zombies and zombies don't play nice in Charlie Hickson's the enemy series if you need a zombie fix while you're waiting for new episodes episodes of AMC's The Walking Dead. These books are fast-paced, white-knuckled tales of zombie survival that will have you foaming at the mouth for more. Eat your heart out with The Sacrifice, the latest installment. Available now wherever books and ebooks are sold. Yeah. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Enjoy the TV show. Uh, and thank you. Thank you for everything. Whoa. It's a weird, sincere ending. And thanks for everything. But I mean it. Enjoy. Hello. Hi, June. Hi, Pete. How are you? Save it for air, June. I'm just kidding. I'm good. You, that's where you said if you Okay, don't I thought maybe you were... I How didn't know where you would have me. You don't know. You don't know. I don't know anything. Why would you know? Oh, God. I hurt my back. How so? Does Paul hurt his back? Is Paul older than me? I don't know. Paul, you know. No, I'm not kidding you. He has no sense of his age. What do you mean? I, I, and he, I'll ask him, like, how old are you? And he'll say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's made the choice truly to forget about it and not think about it. He genuinely, uh, he genuinely doesn't know. And, of course, he can figure it out, but, like, he doesn't. He's not walking around with that information at the tip of his tongue. I understand that. There's a lot of general knowledge that I think can slip away if you're not, like, a functioning member of society. Sure, which Paul is not. Which none of us are. Right. <laughs> we're not. We're For certainly sure. not contributing. Um, How did you hurt your back? Well. <laughs> I just saw you. And you seemed able-bodied. I am able-bodied. I'm chewing. People get mad about chewing. You know. You know how it is with how did this get chewed. Right. Sure. Well, just so you know, I'm you know, also. Parked illegally. Uh, parked illegally. In a bad mood. And in a bad mood, have lamb. cramps, which I just told you her. You have cramps? I have cramps. I'm and write down PMS. don't. <laughs> I wrote down PMS. I want to so say funny because I was just thinking about PM. PMS. What were you thinking? I'm just. People that listen to this show know I say this a lot, but it's true. The things I think about on the ride to the podcast always come up on the That's podcast. Weird. And it's, it's sometimes because I bring them up, certainly. Uh, or because I'm looking for them. But uh, Emily Gordon just tweeted something about, like, uh, PMS. Thank you. 
And then I was thinking about PMS. And I, I spent most of my ride thinking about PMS and how it's weird that women have it. And that I, I think there is, are male equivalents, times when men... Really? Go yeah. through the hormonal changes. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it is... Like, I, though... Even though I hate the physical cramps and all that, mm. there's some sort of permission <laughs> when you have your period to just be an animal. Oh, it's a snow day. Well, yeah, and it's also like <laughs> sometimes snow. I think I'm actually more myself. Yeah, brownish red snow. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> oh, God, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm not <No>. well. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. And just so you know, this eye is going to tear uncontrollably. That's going to come. Wait, are you I emotional? I don't know what's going on. No, Let's it's, gab. A tear, oh. it's a tear that it's happened in a few auditions. It's so. You cry blood? I don't know. This is how I get my period. Through <laughs> my left eye. <laughs> it's June. June, the girl who gets a period from her left, left eye. eye. <laughs> it's the strangest thing, though. I don't know if I need to like consult someone because this, just this eye, will tear. Yeah, on I its see it. Own. It's tearing now. It's happening it's right happening now. now. And How's I don't that know working if out? It's an, not great. Why is that happening? I don't know. I <laughs> haven't. When did it start? It's come and gone through the years. Through the years. So since Paul was who knows how old until now. <laughs> yeah, we can't <laughs> reference Paul. We have no idea. He's got to be 36. He's in his 30s for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, you know. You have I to buy him can cake. You buy him cake. I'm telling you, Pete, I, I celebrated his 30th birthday. <laughs> yeah. Six and years after ago. that, it's a wash. Yeah, it's a wash. Like, we don't. Know. I appreciate that. It's all an illusion. All of yeah. it. It's stupid. I know. I don't want to feel kind of tied ageless. to it. He is. Yeah, he's got an ageless quality. We're not going to talk about Paul this whole time. But what does he smell like? <laughs> <laughs> How does he sleep on his back? Is he a back sleeper? Um, no. Yeah, he is a, a childish back sleeper. stomach sleeper. He is a back. Sleeper. He's a drooler, isn't he? No, he's not gap. a drooler. You know, the gap in the teeth often used to mean a uh, promiscuous. Is that like, right? Like up to something. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, like Letterman. Think about it. Like Letterman's got it. It kind of looks like, like a sneaky. Like a sneaky. Yeah. He's gonna. He's gonna do something with that gap. Right. And who knows what? Who knows what? No, he's actually. I don't want to get too sentimental. The other eye will start tearing oh, too. But make them both go. He's a very sweet sleeper, and I'm oh. I'm obsessed with him sleeping. And he's always like, I just love it, and I'll stare oh. at him creepily. And he's always like. Why your favorite way to experience me is when I'm not conscious. <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> you enjoy that. I enjoy that. Wait, that you, you're the I only one the with most. tickets to those shows. Yeah. Uh, my therapist, we were talking about whether or not you should, uh, you know, one of the issues sometimes I face as a single man, as one of these single people, is that, you know, as you know a little bit about my backstory, I've, I've, I was married through my twenties, basically, and then yeah. and then I kind of started dating. And then you uh, have sex with somebody sometimes, and sometimes it happens quickly, and you're not sure if they should sleep over. I may I default mm. to you can sleep over, That's but kind. my therapist, I think so. Well, you see, one of the big things I deal with uh, in therapy is when is it more cruel to be kind? Like, when are you okay. misleading somebody if you're like right. sleepover or whatever? Um, typically, I'm not. I'm not going to boot somebody out, especially if they've been drinking. Which, if yeah. we're having sex, let's be honest. Sure, <laughs> she's pretty lit. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah. God! She's but... kind of asleep already. <laughs> Think about it. Oh, that is funny. This is a free show. How much is? How did this get made? This is free. <laughs> how did this get made? It's free ninety-nine well. cents on iTunes <laughs> per episode, and halfway through, it makes you pay again, like a DUI test in your car. Yeah, we leave on a real cliffhanger, <laughs> and then there's another toll. Are we having a hard time thinking how this got made or not? Pay another toll. Oh, we'll be right back. <laughs> you are back. Um, but he said, like, think he said this to me one time in therapy. He was like, imagine if you like laid down right now and went to sleep. You're like, which trusting... I've done in therapy a number of times. You've fallen asleep yes, in therapy. But yes, I have. You got to see DGP. Go to that DGP. That's my therapist, Dr. Gary Penn. I'm surprised you didn't know that. I'm just kidding. No, I actually have heard the podcast a number of times and. Oh. and and did know that, but I was just thinking, I, I think it's a good thing, though, to have fallen asleep in therapy. Because Maybe this ties into his point, because you trust your therapist so much that you're comfortable falling asleep in front of them? And actually, yes, and also I've had dreams that I can then talk about in the moment oh, right out of sleep. Whoa! Yeah. That's impressive. Because to get to a dream place, don't you have to be pretty sleeping pretty deeply? Yeah, but I have. You go right into yep. it. You're like, we've run out of things to talk about. What's typical therapy fodder? Dreams, I'll be right back. Well, I've, I'm also in... <laughs> not I, I was in five times a week at one point. Is that right? And then I went down to four and Can nine I ask at you, three. Whoa. I admire so, that. I don't, you know, my father's old school. I told him I was in therapy, and he, I might as well have been like, I'm making croissants for a living. <laughs> like, I might as well have just been like, Father, I've decided to make croissants for a living. Because he's perpetually covered in oil and grime and Red Sox paraphernalia. Sure. It was hard for him to understand. But uh, you yeah, know. my dad too is a steam fitter who grew up in the Bronx. A steam fitter from a the Bronx. Steam fitter, a pipe fitter. What does fitter. that mean? I'm just picturing him making robots. Yeah, basically, <laughs> what it means is that. <laughs> what is that called? Steam core, the punk. Steampunk. Ro- steampunk. The yeah. people who dress in sort of industrial. Yeah. And I was like, what is that called? Steam core, <laughs> the punk thing. The steamy punk thing? What's that called? <laughs> oh, God. So your dad's a... Okay. So he's a steam fitter or pipe fitter. They, they're essentially the same things. And what they do is they go into different buildings and structures and install radiators, check the very, piping. Very New York-y. Very New Gotta York, but sure. not a plumber. It's more yep. just sort of pipes in general. You want to make sure now, it runs, if it's anything like the apartments I've been in New York, extremely hot yes, year-round. exactly. And loud. loud. Loud, hot, wet, and very dangerous yes. to toddlers. <laughs> that They're constantly touching it with yes, their absolutely. curious hands. Absolutely. So, that's great. All right, so he's so a steam fitter from the Bronx. How did he feel? Uh, you have sisters? I do. I have Wait, let's play sisters. the guessing game. Shit. Sorry. I was right about sisters. Yeah. You feel like you know a sisters. That? I I don't know. I do, yeah. Yeah. I'm no. a gal's gal. I don't You're have a gal. guy friend. No. You married Paul. You like girly yeah. guys. <laughs> you would consider Paul a girly guy? I'd consider him one of us. Yes. And I, sure. you know yes. what I mean? And that's Paul, high praise. That's Paul high praise. is like me. Yes. We like gabbing. We like connecting. Yes. If you married Seth, what's Seth from Funny or Die? Seth we know Seth. Morris? Seth Morris. Seth Morris, that's that's a girl. That's a, that's a, guy. a girl. A girl who had brothers will date Seth. Oh, Morris. that's so interesting. It's just uh, something I'm making up right now. Yeah, but you, I know Paul's going to hear this. I'm going to break his balls as much as possible. Yeah, he's definitely he likes to talk and very verbal. He's and like very me. connected. Yes, that's why we get along so well. Yes. So everything I'm saying about him, I say about myself as well. Right. So what were you saying? You, you uh, I don't remember. sisters. You have sisters, and uh, I was. We were getting to therapy, and your father. And how does he feel? Because I was going to say about his only baby angel being in therapy right. five times a week. 
Well, both of my sisters are also in as well. So it's a, it's a family affair. My dad has also gone to couples therapy. Oh. It's very interesting. <clears throat> like, as much as he's, you know, definitely from a certain generation. And, like, I consider my parents, my mom's passed away, but my dad and her, like, they listened to Elvis. They didn't listen to the Beatles. Uh, do, you, do you know what I mean? That's a well, that's very a, that's different a deleted, generation. <clears throat> that's a deleted scene from Pulp Fiction. Where she says, are you an Elvis man or a Beatles man? But, and it's a huge, your worldview is completely different. It's, which are you? Which am I? Yeah. Oh, a, a Beatles fan. You're more of a Beatles. Sure. Oh, because oh, sure. you're an improviser. Yeah, of course. You're an ensemble. But of course. And I'm an Elvis man. And you're man. a stand-up. Because I'm Elvis. Right, of course. I, I take it and I'm like, because I'm Elvis. <laughs> and <laughs> you're I'm just like, a Beatles, I'm a Beatles fan. fan. <laughs> so, One of the many. Um, so, okay, keep going. You, I don't know, but anyway, so I he's think... He's in couples therapy, your, your he, mom. He was in couples therapy for a oh, while. And, but and so, you were saying they were cool parents, like uh, the Elvis, listened together. What, what what was your point with that before I interrupted you? Well, no, I was going to say that actually they're they're definitely of the Elvis <clears throat> generation. But that said, um, he's open to... He was open <laughs> to... Well, that was really my mom's kind of... She wanted to do it, but he would go. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? He wasn't the old school guy who's like not gonna show up, right? Um, oh, I yeah. got Steve the fiddle there. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, I'm picturing your dad. My mother Andrew wanted Dice to Clay, do. Basically. He has four women in his life. You know what I mean? Oh, that yeah, are yeah. very up. emotional and yep. very periods out of their exactly, eyes. Exactly, dripping blood out of their eyeballs every month. Daddy, what's wrong? <laughs> oh, I know how to fit steam, but I can't stop this drip. That's him tightening something on your mother on the ankle <laughs> with a big wrench. This'll stop your drip. Say it comes every month. Oh, I'm so sorry. Sounds exactly like. Yeah. <laughs> so he went. He played ball. That's what I was saying. For the Dodgers. Yes. Um, and so I think he's he's. He's fine with it. It's not yeah. an issue. I guess okay. it's not an issue. Whereas at all. my father thought it was croissante. Right. Your dad I think was... it's different for a son, of course. As it is well. a little bit, yeah. but there, there. I think there's always going to be that suspicion, just as I'm kind of having that something is quote wrong, and therefore you did something wrong in the parenting. That I think parents can be defensive, right? About. Of course. Yeah, my mom used to ask me all the time, like what my therapist was saying about her. Right. Sure. I, you know, they want to know what were and they? If, I would be fascinated <laughs> too. <laughs> Of course, you know. Well, why, why five times a week is, is a lot? Were you having anxiety issues? Were you having panic attacks? Um, I started off once a week. How many times a week do you go? I go once a week. Wow. Why? That's normal, right? So it's not psychoanalysis. You're not lying down on a couch. I sometimes I get real lazy in my posture, but I don't lie down. So do you look at your therapist? I though? look right at him. Oh wow! See, I haven't looked at her in years. You're not even sure she's there. She may not be. <laughs> I, you know, it's I, that. I understand that that's Freudian and it's supposed yeah. to make you uncomfortable, but I don't like it. I like gauging from his face. Do you feel, though, because I find that the big difference in lying down is just lose, ultimately letting go of the idea of entertaining and keeping someone interested. Interesting. And, and I really had the impulse to do that. I'm sure you I'm did, I'm guilty too. of it, yeah. No, we're, we do tight hours together. Yeah. We have openers. We call it back at the end and we say, right. thank you, good night. <laughs> right, right, but I mean, right. we get a lot of, a lot of Can work Can I go? Done. What How much are ticks? <laughs> this show is the is the show. I right. talk yeah, about everything right. we say. Um, uh, Dr. Gary Penn, book available now. But um, okay, so you lay down and don't look. So I lay down and don't look. Um, although it's interesting because since my mom passed away, I have not actually been lying down, but I've been not. I still don't look at her. 
Uh-huh. Unless I'm falling asleep, which is, of course, Where when do you I'm look? You drift down. to the side? I sit. Or? So if she's over here, I know this is a audio medium, but sure. if she sits to my left, <laughs> then the couch is right here. I'm sitting, but I'm facing out. So I sort of have a sense of her over there, but I don't look at her. That's crazy. I mean, it's not crazy, but it's just, it, it sounds off putting. Well, I want to riddle me this. So this How much is something, does she talk? Very little. You, okay, riddle me now. So I had been going to her since 2005, about a year ago, mm-hmm. and there's a little waiting room, and then there's the office. About a year ago, I walked in to the waiting room. <coughs> Pete Holmes, it looked completely different. Everything had been changed. Really? The wallpaper, the paintings, the fabric on the couch, the the box that held the tissues. Same I couch, need, different fabric. Same couch, all different Ooh, reupholstery. Wow. Everything had been changed. Uh-huh. And then I wa- and I thought I was in the wrong place. You sure? And then I walked into the office and everything was different. Her, save for her. her. Was, uh-huh. uh, yes, every single thing. She overhauled it. New blanket, new pillow, new everything. She won one of those home. And I had a really channels. bad reaction to it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Do you like get that. that? Oh yeah. In fact, I open every therapy session. Uh, this is kind of obnoxious, but normally there isn't anything. But if something's different, I'll tell him right away. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And I was so. That's why I was so traumatized. No, by if it. everything was different, I would hate it. That's that's your safe space. It's your little nest. Yeah. You can't rearrange the And I had no um, preparation for yeah, that. Yeah. No. At least send out an email. Right. In your new font. <laughs> you bitch. From your new email address. Yeah, from your new at unfamiliar me. Yeah. <laughs> She's an at me now. She was a Gmail. Oh, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. That's a backwards move. Yeah, I don't like that. I think that's I, weird. I found it very upsetting. But you see, so you and I are similar in the sense that we want to feel safe and familiar. Absolutely. But then you're like, I'm also going to put this bag over my head so I get tense and right. start opening it up. Right. Well, and then the last... Or two weeks ago, I walked in and there was a giant orange plant that yeah. had never been there before. What? And I was so you, you must upset talk about, about it. it. We talk about everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You talk about it. You're there five times a week. Yeah, we talk about everything. You talk about. Yeah. And so there was a. Time. We're still talking about that. <laughs> we're still very much so talking about. <laughs> very that. interesting. Yeah. And she gives me, and I don't know if um, yours does, but she gives me no- nothing in terms of any information about her personal life. So the plant really posed. A huge series of questions. Who gave it to her? Did she need it to make herself feel happy? Mm. Is it her birthday? Yeah. Do you know what? So much. Who are you? And I don't know. I get nothing. I get nothing from DGP. He's pretty withholding, but we can joke about that. There is a show element about it. I'll be like, I know you're not going to tell me shit. Wow. But he. See, I wonder what would happen if you went in more than once a week. Because what happens? You run out of stuff to talk about. You truly do, and then you either don't talk and fall asleep. Yeah, which is what happens for, to me sometimes. Or you start talking about, which isn't to say you're not talking about no, the I real understand. stuff. I'm sure you are, but no. it's it's no longer a laundry list of disappointments and people. Yes. Well, the, the times that I go in and I start with I have nothing are, the, are the ones yes. that we have we get the most done. You and have the most. True. Yeah, there's some. How long have you been with him for? Uh, over a year. Oh, that's but this he's is a new relationship. It's like a year and a, what? You've been with him since the beginning. Yeah, how long have we been doing like the podcast? Two years okay, two years. Okay. <laughs> I'm like Paul with the age. I don't know where I am or what's happening. By the way, though, when you live in Los Angeles and every day feels like the last, yeah. it's truly hard. There yeah, are yeah. things that There's happen. There's no seasons. There's no seasons. There are no signifiers. It's like, well, that happened two days ago or two years ago. That's why I have, I, I, I have I li- no <laughs> way to know. That's what I like about LA. It's a fake place. 
And it should feel fake. It should feel timeless and apart, right. like a bubble village. And it is. And it is. It completely <laughs> Very is. much so. I completely get that. So uh, what was I going to tell you about therapy? He's more like a life coach. He really is. We oh, talk wow. a lot. Like, he'll give me opinions. We'll disagree. Oh, wow. We'll debate things. We won't, like, debate, but we'll be like, I, uh, you know, the way I debate. I'm like, I see your point, but this, this, and this. You know, weird stuff. But, like, I get material out of it. I get uh, life perspective out of it. Uh, so it's directive, though. Like I've it's I've never been directive. I've never been given one piece of um, advice, or or there hasn't even been, you know, if I'm talking about someone, she won't even say like, oh yeah, well that per I agree that person is a bad influence <laughs> or. No, DGP's not that way. Wow. I, don't, I don't like the silent guy. My first therapist was more of a silent person, and then that does let you let the spool out a little bit. Right. But I like like DGP will. Uh, We'll go back and analyze things and be like, I said this, and then she said this, and she's like, you killed it. That's perfect. That's a perfect thing to do. His whole thing is to deal with things in real time while you're right. feeling them, address them, and speak your truth. And that's a big, that's a hard thing. Paul has this too. Sorry to keep bringing up Paul, but it's what we have in common. Paul is cripplingly nice, and, and so am I. And when people say that I'm nice, I'm like, it's weird that they think I'm nice. Because really, when I know all of my thoughts, and right, some of them right, are horrible. Right. Of course. So like we, I, I can't put that on Paul, but we've talked about it a little bit, have a hard time saying difficult things mm-hmm. to people. So in my therapy, I've noticed I've become like kind of an emotional assassin sometimes <laughs> in that like, I just can't believe I'm saying what right. I'm saying as quickly and as easily as I'm right, saying right, it right. because I'm trying to condition myself that withholding the truth is more painful than just saying the truth. It costs more. And when you say, like, especially like if you're breaking up with a lady, which is a very difficult thing for me to do, you know, because I'm not a sociopath and I do care about these people that I've gone out with or whatever, then you break up. And uh, sometimes I will feel really good. And it's not because they feel bad, but you're like, I feel good because I'm I been spoke honest. My, I've been honest. And then in that moment, and this is a Tony Robbins thing, I don't give a shit. I like Tony <laughs> Robbins. When you're in that I saw place, his Oprah special and I was like, okay, I'm on board. There you go. There you go. I'm 100% on board. What is his Oprah special? She did a Oprah's Next Chapter, which is her, her is new. Is this new? It, it, it was one of her first episodes on Oprah's Next Chapter. So since her show went off the air, that was sort of her first episode into oh. I'm writing it down. And anyway, the Tony Robbins episode was really <laughs> wonderful. He's great. He's, he's such great. a cor- he's a cornball and he's a doofus. And that's fine. I love him. I love him to death. I would I would have him on the show at a heartbeat. Yeah. But he, I don't I don't know. He's too big. <laughs> he's I just Oprah. wonder. I feel like he falls asleep so quick at night. You like, think so? Yeah, because there's just the amount of energy he's putting out and yeah. the intensity of every moment that he's living. Yeah, I know. It's it like seems exhausting. It's those people that I envy. Tom Cruise is one of them too. Mm-hmm. Love or, or hate Tom Cruise, people that meet him talk about how incredibly engaged, engaged he is. I was like that's sounds exhausting. Yes. But it's not really that hard. I was just talking about this to my hypnotherapist. Oh, boy. <laughs> I know. Let's I'll, get into yeah, it. We'll get into it. <laughs> I, I was like, I get stressed out and socially anxious at parties. And I was like, why? And it's because I'm going to get. I'm going mm-hmm. to, like, get affirmation. I'm going to get an audience. I want people to pay attention to me, listen to my stories, right. tell me I'm good. And if you really want to get into my weird, fucked up psyche and a little too personal, there's this, uh, I've talked about this before on the show, there's like, this King Ralph character inside of me. It's my ego, basically, that doesn't think he should have to go to a party and, like, meet people. I think I should, like a stand-up does, mm-hmm. arrive, everyone mm-hmm. applaud, pay attention to me, and then right. want to, like... If I'm being honest, I don't act on this and I don't live this way. But there's a part of me that's like, everyone here should want to fuck me. That's the child inside of me. 
like it's hard, it took me a while to like get a clear look at this like coward inside of me that's right. like a baby. And he's like, everyone here should be lining up to fuck me, and I should take somebody and be like, good night, everybody. Maybe I'll get you next time and leave and have sex and love. Right. It's not just sex, it's love and sure, attention, sure, sure. all that sort of stuff. So uh, why did I bring that up? I, I, I realized I needed to shift my focus from going out to get, but to, to go out and give and like be of oh, service. Boy. And like oh, if you boy. if you want those things, to go to a party and give people attention and be present and be engaged. Be Tom Cruise, right. be Tony Robbins. Give and what you want. It's not – and, and it will come back to you and I think that's completely true. Well, I think Tony Robbins and Tom Cruise. T-Robs. Also T-Robs. T-Rope. <laughs> I think what they do too is they're sort of a full body listening. Yeah. Where, where, and I've never met either of them. I but know what you mean. I know you're right. I know you're just right. Just from seeing them on the tele, FBL. It's like they are listening big time, big time. And not only that, I feel like when you're speaking to them, the feeling is I've never been heard. Yeah, I've never been heard before. Right, like, right, right. This person this is person, the is first person to see me. Yeah. Well, so I uh, great Tom. I'm Cruise sorry story. to interrupt. I must get a tissue because <laughs> now other. You would be there. Areas the... are. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> I don't she... know what's happening. It's okay. Oh, your nose. No, it's my nose. <laughs> when you said other areas, it was very strange. Don't just say my nose. <laughs> Nobody wants other areas. We we still have to talk I'm about my PMS. Period out of my nose. I now. know. God. God. <laughs> oh my Jesus. I'm getting my period out of every. <laughs> opening it's so weird that would never work but as a sketch it's so funny the girl that gets her period every way but her vagina <laughs> every way i um what was i just about oh i also feel like an old lady because i'm dabbing at my eyes with dab. a tissue you're doing fine and you're gonna offer me some lavender candy now yeah, in a exactly. dish where they've all congealed oh from your, your strap of your dress yes i was gonna say T. Cruz, constant listening. When he meets yeah. people, you're June, so we'll shake. You don't shake my hand because yeah, I'm just sick. Cr- yeah, and you and just, just put enzymes. My period blood. Your period blood all over that. <laughs> God, oh my God, this is a period heavy episode, and I love it. We shake hands. He'll go June, June, June. Tom, June. Like he'll yeah. do that. That's what he does. That like he felt says great your na- even now. Right in the reenactment. I know. Lars great. and the real girl. He says uh, everybody's wow. favorite thing to hear is their own name. name, and that's the first thing we forget. I don't even know Katie's name. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Catherine. <laughs> I know it's not. What I'm saying I love is the name Catherine. Okay, so we know what we need to do to be like an exceptional person. That's one of the weird things about life is we know we could be that sort of person. But, like, one of T-Rob's big points is he's like, people are going to make fun of you. Like, I've said this Mm -hmm. on the show before. He's like, people that talk to themselves uh, in the mirror, like, say, I love you. Which isn't that crazy when you consider people say shit. I I looked in the mirror the other day and I said uh, something negative. I was like, I look fat in this suit or something. I had to wear a suit for something. And I put it on and I felt stupid. And I was like, you look like a fat waiter. And I said that out loud. And that's not crazy. But it's crazy if I'm like, you look great. Right, right. Hey, Han Solo over here. You know what I mean? Like, is that so? He he makes he addresses that. He's like, so be embarrassed. Like, if someone walks in on you uh, doing whatever it is that you do to make yourself better, then just be embarrassed. Who cares? Fuck yourself. I'm Tony. I'm Tony Robbins, and I, <laughs> I own an island. Yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> but I don't know. We know. Well, we know eye contact. We know remembering names. Yeah. But I think most of us are just kind of amoebas floating around, barely keeping it together, and very inward. Like I am at parties. I'm I'm inward. What can I get? I'm like a pirate. I'm trying to ransack mm-hmm. the party for, for, like I said, attention, love, affection, all that sort of stuff. And I also think it's hard to share with people that you might love yourself and be proud of yourself and the good things and be grateful for your body. Sure. 
and its health and all of that. It's right. it, that's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. But most of the major religions do teach something yep. along the lines of loving yourself first and then and then loving others or, or treating others the way you want it to be treated. But yeah. that also means treating yourself the way you want. I feel like the only times others. I can really do that <laughs> kind of fell apart at the end. <laughs> I feel like the only times I can really do that is when I see somebody who or hear about someone who's very sick or something terrible has happened sure. and then I feel such gratitude for every single thing that I have right. mm-hmm. in my life, but it's hard otherwise. Yeah. It truly is. Well, that's where you get that kind of cliche of people with uh, terminal diagnoses that are like, uh, who was it? It's that big acid guy, not Timothy Leary. It doesn't matter. There was a guy who died uh, of cancer, brain cancer, I think, and he was a big mushroom person. And he said when he knew he was going to die, he would spend the afternoon just, like, watching an ant crawling across the floor and, like, weeping. You know what I mean? Because we know, Mm -hmm. again, what we're talking about really is presence. Tom Cruise and Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins and all these people sound like they're actually being present. Mm -hmm. And this is something else I talked with. Here's another another phrase I'm just saying to my hypnotherapist, Cynthia Morgan, whose book You're Already Hypnotized is available now, was talking about that idea that um, presence. Oh, I just lost it. Talking about mm. being in the moment. Oh, every person you can you can look at a person as like an opportunity and be like, this person has come into my life. They're complex. They're interesting. They have mm. something to give. They have something they need. You know what? More importantly, I can be in service to them. And you can look at it that way, or you can be like another fucking idiot at the party. Right. Look at this idiot shirt. Or you could be like, you know, your cab driver is like a complex and fascinating right. person. If you've ever talked. To one, I probably would never. You can get it because why? Again, it goes back to being exhausted. Well, and, and this is something I struggle with with Paul <coughs> specifically because he is he talks to every driver. Every, oh hey man. Uh, yep. Oh hey. And, and engages. How's your day? Like I, I don't know how he, old I am. Yeah, <laughs> like just constant. Do you know how old I am? <laughs> <laughs> he's trying to get to the bottom. <laughs> That's why he's talking to everybody. He's like, hey. He's just taking guesses. Can you help me? <laughs> Okay, keep going. I'm so sorry. No, but I I want to disengage, and I'm scared of you know yeah. I want to put the curtains over and hide away. I'm scared of what these it's people are going to want from us. What are they going to want? Well, see, okay, that's really what it is. <laughs> we, what is going to cost good, us? What's good therapy is is what are we afraid of? What is mm-hmm. the scenario? And we're afraid of running out, so we're already kind of living like there is scarcity. You know what I mean? I don't have an abundance of energy or eye right. contact or remembering names. So that's why you won't re- – like if you remember somebody's name, like I remembered a door guy's name the other night. I did a show and I remember the door guy's name. And if you say it on the way out, they're impressed. Why? Because they know that they're at the bottom of the list. Why would you need to remember right. my name? But like – or we could look at everybody as equal. But it's exhausting. It's very tiring. And, and who's got the time? I don't know, but don't we? Tony Robbins we seems to have the of time. Of course we do. Tom Cruise. I know. T- June. And they seem like busy guys. They're busy guys. They're busy guys. I know. I know. But I, know, I, I guess know. it's the panic of thinking, I'll have to keep doing this. And that, what is that? That's a projection to the future. Well, and also, I always feel very scared <clears throat> that no one's going to remember my name. So I'm constantly introducing myself over and over again. Yep. And I've been very hurt when pe- when I've had to meet people several times and they don't know my name. It happens to me every day. <laughs> every <laughs> but day. I, but you know what I've started doing? It's particularly with this one actress who will remain uh, nameless. But Casey she, Wilson. Casey Wilson. But she, she I met her, I can't tell you Pete, how many times I met this girl in various Well, you scenarios. were uh, friends in college. Right. And we work together <laughs> daily. So it's like, it's just upsetting. You know what I mean? Okay, so it's we not We work Casey. together a lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> How many times you know, do I have to meet you? Just like it's a little sad. Jesus the Christ. Uh, so somebody But anyway, else. I finally <clears throat> said. Yeah. Just so you know, we've met a number of times. Yeah. And that's, I'm not trying to make you feel badly, but we have met a number of times. My name is June. Yeah. And I was so relieved to just say it. And, and to her credit, she was, she was embarrassed, but sure. she took it. Yeah. And it hasn't happened again. You know, okay, because... And so that's felt good to yeah. just be like, you know, we've met. Yeah. We have. Yeah. And I can no longer keep up this charade. <laughs> yes. That's perfect. You know, I, I just can't. No, I, that happened with Matt Goldish's wife, Robin, who I've probably met 20 times. I'm bad with girls. Just worse with girls. I don't know why. You don't remember her name. In movies, too, I'll be like... Julia Roberts was in that? Like, for some reason, I just erased the girls. Uh, but I, I've met Robin 25 times. And, like, the last time I saw her, she called me on not knowing her name. And the adrenaline of that moment yeah. made me remember. Of course. I've been reading uh, a book called The Memory Book, which is, uh, this has come up a couple times, I think. It's on the Chris Gethard episode. Anyway, like, your name is June. So if I was going to, like, try and remember it. Actually, it's an odd picture of Big Star of David on you, Jew, June. Oh, well. Something like that. Like, I, I met a guy named uh, Lev, and I picture a levy on his forehead. So you're busting visual. Forth. You, but what it is is you're remembering to remember. That's the whole point of the book. Yeah. So you have to remember to remember. Right. People say they forgot your name. They never learned it. They never, they never, never took a second took the to, time. to put a pin in that. It's not on their Pinterest board. They don't give a shit. They, they're not pinning that, and they're not yeah. repinning that. But <laughs> nope. the thing is, too, it's the, the message is clear. It's like, um, I don't, I'm not important enough. Yeah. If I was, if I held any you know value to you you would have remembered it right if you were scared of me if you wanted to fuck me if right. if any of those things were true you would right. have remembered my name that's really interesting and that's why i think the pickup guy his mo would be like remembering your name and, and being of attentive course. and stuff but it's all just like with this caveat that it's just trying to right bid you want something from me you want intercourse and unfortunately a lot of people okay so now we're really unpacking it People that you don't want something from. You're not going to remember their name. But then that just goes back to like this weird uh, like caveman thing where it's like you have food. I'm going to remember Umfa has the food. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I'm going to go this over and be like. This is my survival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, the fucking caveman that's just eating magic mushrooms and peeing in the it. river. <laughs> Nobody remembers Gagu nope. or whatever the fuck its name is. No need to. <laughs> Old liquid diarrhea. <laughs> Why even wear a loincloth? It's optional at this point in our evolution. <laughs> I'm naked, and I'm the leader. <laughs> so why are we in therapy? I didn't get to, I didn't get to that. Because my therapy... I, am I wrong in assuming that a five or three time a week means... I was uh, hypothesizing that maybe you are having some sort of panic issue. That. Or are you just loaded? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not well. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, I didn't go in because of any traumatic event that happened uh -huh. and, or I wasn't having crippling anxiety or depression. I really wasn't. Um, <coughs> and I think that's a misconception. I think people who are in three, four or five times a week are, are in analysis and are trying to get at the old stuff and mm. the childhood and I, I say trauma but i didn't go through anything that i think is um i don't know that's that's really really no, bad I get it. you know but you're touching on something very interesting i was just having a conversation with us about somebody with somebody who i think is very smart we were talking about how everybody downplays their past mm -hmm. like my therapist and i've said this on the show before i was like my parents would have like pretty epic arguments every night mm. for years and he was like you know that's remarkable right and i was like 
Oh, no. But, okay, so not using me. There was this other guy that we both knew that was like, yeah, his mother was, like, on drugs and his father, like, one time stabbed one of them right. or, like, went after them with a knife. But he talks about it like, but, you Very know, everybody has a childhood. Well, here's the thing, too. Sometimes I feel like I don't want to talk about my childhood that way because it's it's a, a, there's a fuller picture. Sure. And so, yes, there were feelings of being incredibly unsafe and scared a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of love and affection and support. So it's like it's, it's hard because <laughs> I feel like it gets colored so badly yeah. when it's a kind of a more complicated picture. Of and, course. And so to say, like, I, you know, I wasn't abused. Sure. You know, and, and to me, that sounds really like a horrible event that I don't know how people get over. And I admire people who do and work on it. And, but to just say you had sort of general feelings of being not I, taken care of and look, all that. I think that's a huge step in getting well. And every, is, to, is to say to yourself, everybody in their own way is a little bit mm-hmm. fucked up. Freud mm-hmm. surmised that it was our potty training that made right. us feel weird about all of our sexuality. Right. But what I, whether or not that's true, I think what he's saying is whatever your shit is, that's your shit. Because there's something very human and very sympathetic and empathetic mm-hmm. to go like, look, I, uh, my parents left me at soccer practice. Mm-hmm. And that somewhere is, is hurting me. But then there's something in our, in the human brain that goes, but I wasn't molested, or right. I, I was, nobody uh, died at a young age, mm-hmm. or whatever the traditional horrible things are. But that's that's okay. You were left at practice, right. and like we need to green light Get ourselves and be like, unfortunately, as strong as you'd like to be, there's some sort right. of like shaky little shit inside of you yeah. that's still crying because you're at soccer practice. And it's practice. also amazing. Like I was three years in before I revealed, like, oh yeah, I, w- I guess I walked to school at. Um, when I was in kindergarten over like four highways. <laughs> what? Do you know what I mean? Like, I guess I did that. I mean, highways, I'm the, not highways, but like major <laughs> intersections. <coughs> no crosswalks. So you, yeah, by myself. But like that was no thing. Right. That's your life. That's my life. And so, but it took me that long. Yeah. And I remember my therapist being like, "What? what's this now? Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. it didn't occur that's to the, me that that was anything strange. You realize that's remarkable, don't you? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's right, remarkable. Of course. And and there but, are yeah go on. But I also I felt the need for a long time in therapy to acknowledge how much I'd been given by my parents and I call those pop ups though those are pop ups yeah. they pop up they're in the way like right. I want to go like it took me a long time to casually be like my parents fought a lot they right. fought a lot even to this day if I bring it up with my parents or my brother. There'll be some sort of pop-up for all of us. They'll be like, well, you know, I mean, we did our best and everybody uh, we didn't want for anything. Like, we were supported and things were okay. You know, like, it's like, fine. Let's put that in column A. Column B, you guys fought a lot. Right. And column A, you had a lot of love. Column B, Mm -hmm. you were crossing the interstate as a kindergartner. (laughs) Right. You had to throw apples at cars to distract them and give you a window. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that's your shit. Yeah, for sure. And also, like, I think for me, there was a lot of work to be done in therapy. I'm not sure how you feel about this, but growing up in a predominantly Irish with the Irish Ooh, culture. <laughs> Your impressions of my dad have been so spot on. It's, Ooh, it's weird. Oh, it's time to fix the old steam. The steam room. Oh, do. Hope I have the look of your Irish. <laughs> Is he here right now? <laughs> but Time to go to couples therapy. I looked at Katie's face and it was beyond zero. (laughs) It was in the negative numbers, her entertainment at that point. Everybody knows that was bad. Go on. But there's, 
I feel like there's something in the Irish culture that really holds up the civil servant and the the fireman and the cop and sort of the guys and gals who don't move on to anything that great. Yes. And okay. there's a... And stick with it. And stick with yeah, it and make a, their money and get their pensions. Yep. <laughs> and take care of their family but lead their lives in, in a rather small arena. Uh-huh. And, you know, for example, like when I was growing up, and I would see all the Jewish kids in my class getting bat mitzvah and bar mitzvah, and mm-hmm. ha- seeing them up there by themselves, the having an entire like community supporting this one kid, as opposed to like what I went through growing up Catholic, which is you have your communion with you know fifty other kids, you have your confirmation where f- oh there's my God. there's the the sort of You're glory in mind. the group. Yeah, I and, had the same thing. Yes. You're really blowing my dick off. I rem- I only went to one bar mitzvah, and I was very I was blown, away, blown by away by it. I was like. He learned how to sing in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, we giggled or whatever because, you know, his voice is changing. But, like, at the same time, I'm like, this is all about Josh. It's all about Joshy today. <laughs> it's all about old jo- Joshy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's and Joshy can do no wrong. And he's being held up in a way that was so – the support of the individual and was just – it blew my mind right, away. Right, 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 Because right. that's not how we did. Right. And if anything, you were a bit penalized if you had the – gall to put yourself out there and right. say I want more than right. just this. That's why I, I feel like the and this has come up before I think the Irish idea of like marriage like even if it's fucking meat mm-hmm. cleaver at your face time you stay together mm-hmm. you stick. It's something from The Departed that I really think nailed it. Uh, Matt Damon's character says if something's wrong with this you're going to have to leave because mm-hmm. I'm Irish and I'll stay until this until we die. Yep. Uh, I'm incapable of leaving. But that that, that sort of communal and yeah. also like you don't necessarily deserve better. Well, Even I think as there's I a poverty-stricken <clears throat> mentality that also tr- trickles down of just like there's not a, there's literally Depravity. not enough food. There's not enough us. food, there's not enough love, which mm-hmm. I I think goes back a little a little bit to what we were saying about presence. There's not enough. I have to hold on to my love because if I give it to the cab driver, I'm not going to have enough right. to give my kids. So that that's just a worldview. Well, and, the, and this is not true of my family, but there's also the worldview of the Irish are incredibly – they can also be incredibly <laughs> loving towards strangers and terrible to their own family members. Yeah, yep. You know, incredibly charming <laughs> and inviting and inviting people into their home. I'm and yet to their own intimate relationships, sure. yeah. very withholding and very cold. Right. And it's a very jarring juxtaposition. I – you're, you're blowing my mind yet again, but I'm also Irish, you know, Irish, Thanks, Irish, Lithuanian. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, my my grandmother was Sullivan, uh, which is more uh, traditional, I suppose. But w- we would go out, and I remember my father. My father just has this lifelong love affair with waitresses. You know what I mean? Like so, like I remember the the unique panic of my mother and my father not getting along as they didn't right. for a long 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 time they they've since surrendered it's not that it's not that they're like oh i realize i'm crazy about right. you it's just like let's let's stop fighting and just let you be you and i'll be me right. and they get along they're really good companions now and they do love That's each great. other but back then my mother should tell you was trying to change my father and my father was trying to like right. do his own thing and not really merge with anybody too too hard i don't think i don't think he'd mind me saying but then like when we would go out 
out. So here's my mom who's like livid, just like electric white rage towards my father. Then we go to some restaurant and suddenly here's you the charm. like a Christmas tree. Yeah, here's the fun guy that like won her where over. Where is he? Yeah, where was he 10 minutes ago? But like, and yeah. I remember seeing that and really feel, it's till, still to this day if I want to see, my father and I are pretty effusive, like we have nice conversations. But there was a time that I was like, if I want to see how my father really feels about me, I'm going to have to wait for a stranger to come up. And then he'll say, he'll report. This is my son. I'm so proud of him. Oh, wow. This, this, and this. And I'm like, I'm so glad fucking Joe the floor sander <laughs> came over. <laughs> yeah, because it's too intimate to direct that to you. Yeah, that's genitals a weird... facing genitals. That's <laughs> it's right. Like, that's too much. That's exactly right. That's way too much. But that's what fucking Tom Cruise. I was thinking the other day, I was walking to a show last night. I was thinking about Tony Robbins, and I was like, I bet he is so effusive, to use that word again, just like with his weird wife. (laughs) It's just like constantly spilling spontaneous poems on her. And I had that pinched Irish reaction where I was like, that's not decent. You're not supposed to do that. It's embarrassing. Like dancing, being silly, as silly mm-hmm. as I am, that's like a discipline. Like I, right, I, I like right. worked on that because I found a lot of discouragement, particularly uh, like my brother would often be embarrassed by me. So you had to like push <laughs> forward. Anyway, you're really just blowing my mind with this pinched European sort of white mentality. You know, and I, I also had a parents whose marriage got better. And I think that's a very rare thing. And I'm curious if it has changed your opinion or how it affects your opinion on marriage because I'd love to talk about yeah it. because i actually my parents also fought a lot when i was little and got better yeah as i aged and how i think money was a big part of it we did not have money growing up and then <laughs> i think the situation was eased a bit and yep. and my mother really worked on herself a lot and so i think she so got better mine. She yeah. went to a lot of therapy. Mine too. And he, he did Marion Williamson. I mean, every we got it every which way. Re- was that the name of your therapist? You know, you oh God, Pete Holmes, you would love Marion Williamson. I'm going to write it down right under her own network, Tony she, Robbins. She's also, on, <laughs> by the way, she's also on the own network. <laughs> Marion Williamson does speaks in L.A. I think every Tuesday night, and she wrote a book called A Return to Love, and is just a beautiful speaker and mm. teacher mm. on spirituality. So she, your mom got into her? Yes, very much so. Interesting. And also, like, we did this thing. There's a, there's a parenting theory that's called holding time, which is was developed for parents with autistic kids. So oh, that no, they I know could, that, that where yeah, you cuddle them. Basically. You cuddle them, and so, because autistic kids usually don't have a sense of where their limbs begin and end. Yeah. And it's a way, it's really a massage technique, but also just a way to give them a sense of their body as a whole, as opposed to in pieces, uh-huh. you know, with no connection as right. a whole being. Big with uh, orphans. Yes. Like orphans that were left in their cribs. They don't like, have a that. sense of being held and, and put right. together. So my mom got very much so into holding time and we were all held. As, and How I'm, old? Oh, gosh. From like just a couple years ago now. No, it did go on for a long time. I don't know how old I am. It did. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, sure. It did go on. Uh, probably we started when I was about 10. Okay. And I remember being so embarrassed because we drove out to the Catskills to this weird house. Yeah. And there were all these severely mentally disabled kids. And then like me and like my sisters. Camp? It was a holding workshop that this woman was teaching. Stop and- calling it a holding cell. <laughs> It's not a cell. You're free to go. 
And my sister was a teenager at the time. And I just remember her refusing to get out of the minivan. Like she got a sense of what was going on and she would not get out of the minivan. And then this woman, Judith Vogel. I know Judith. Yeah. Came out and, you know, like coerced my sister out of the minivan. And we all sat on beanbags and were held. First you're held by the beanbag. And then your mom just merges in. Yes. It's like Indiana Jones where he took the idol and put the sand. (laughs) You move the bag out and move your mom in. But it was this crazy thing that, you know, and, and as we got older, we still did it through high school, even when we came. Because it was essentially oh, just sweet. time. See, that's a Tony. Yes. That's embarrassing. But look at it go. It's, yeah. But you it, shouldn't it's, be embarrassed. It's essentially just an intimate time with your parent. Yes. who Where you can physically touch. Yeah. And, you know, we would all be held for like a half hour every night. I think that's a huge thing. Okay, so when I was talking about uh, being left at the soccer game, uh, what I realized again in therapy was was like I have my traumatic thing. You want to talk about like a bullshit traumatic thing? It was one time I was about 10. I was going to piano lessons and my mom always used to wait in the other room while I played mm-hmm. and she wouldn't even be in the same room. And one time, and this piano lesson was a walk from my house. This one time she couldn't stay. So she had to leave. So right. I'm playing, and even though I can't see her, I knew she wasn't there, and that was traumatic right. for me. That's the wow. story. There's nothing le- – I mean, it is a daunting task to raise a child when you oh don't know God. that something completely reasonable – hey, Peter, can you just walk to your own piano lesson and do it? And I just started crying and left. And, like, my therapist is like, I think you're still having separation anxiety because of that. Your mom is supposed to be there. Even though I might have even been older than 10. I might be defending myself or, or you know, protecting mm-hmm. myself. And, uh, you know, I was 22. <laughs> Standard humor. But what I'm saying is uh, – holding and that sort of stuff and being like you're here and I see you and I'm holding Mm -hmm. you that's what T-Cruz and T-Rubs are doing all the teams. Essentially. They're doing is, is when they see you, they're holding on to your hand. Absolutely. They're looking at you. A lot of physical touch, too. A lot of fizz touch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying it's real. But it is it, it is very real. When people touch me and hold my arm or yeah. my hand, it means something There you me. go. Absolutely. We talk about 20-second hugs on this show. Uh, that the, uh, An appropriate or a proper, scientifically speaking, hug is 20 seconds long. If you put people uh, – I don't know how they did the test. Because you'd have to be yeah. in the MRI together or something. I don't know. Okay. But apparently they're measuring your cortisol or whatever, all those different things. So when you hug for 20 seconds, that's how long it takes for people wow. to start like bonding and you know chemically. And so people know that I, I like 20-second hugs. And they so sometimes after stand-up shows, people come up, strangers, usually dudes. I, I just like to remove any sort of sexual yeah. component. Will come up and be like, "Can I have a twenty-second hug?" And I'll do it every time, unless, you wow. know, unless it's, a lot of people are doing it. And then we're running out of time or whatever. It works every time. Yeah. A stranger, yep. whom I've never met, That's and we hug. Amazing. And certainly, there might be like positive feelings for each other. I'm glad. He, I'm glad they were at the show. Right. They're, they're hopefully a fan, not just like seeing a guy who's <laughs> greeting a line of people. I'm going to get in on this, <laughs> and it doesn't matter. Like just having right. arms around you. Oh, absolutely. Well, and there are different <laughs> ways. I mean. Paul and I talk about it, but there's different ways. I don't know what it's called, the four love languages or yeah. something like that. No, Have you heard yeah. of that? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. So mine is absolutely physical touch. There you go. Whereas, you know, Paul and other people in my life, it's like they want to be heard, listened to. They need to talk. They need to talk it out. They yeah. need to have... Well, see, that's mine, too. Like, I need my mom to hear me play the piano. That's that's where I was kind of like, you're supposed to hear me. But I don't really need to be told I'm loved. I just would rather the physical touch and You know, it's it's interesting because uh, you can 
lie easier. As Cher said, it's in his kiss. Oh my God, just shoot me in the face. I said that knowing it was horrible and a little vomit went up my throat. A little vomit. I loved every second of it. But like the best, most loving moments in my life uh, have been uh, physical things. And I'm not just just talking about fucking, but sometimes it is that, but it's like, it's these things where it's like, you can't fake... I, I'm fascinated with the fact that when you have some really good sex with somebody that you love, that you'll notice that your your heartbeats sync up, you're breathing mm. at the same time. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking about afterwards. You're not normally noticing stuff like that. You're just like... I like saying something sweet and then something just horrible in the middle of it. But I'm saying like... Like in a gross voice. Tits, tits, tits. But then like afterwards with no effort. You know how sometimes you stop breathing? Right. You know, like you're often holding your breath and you're not aware. I'll notice that, you know, the the girl that I you know I'm in love with is also not breathing or whatever. It's it's really interesting to me. Well, I just started well, I used to take and a then clown I class. She's, dead. <laughs> she's just asleep. She had way They're too sleeping. Oh, 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 oh. I should stop hiding those bodies. I put a whole room of sleeping <laughs> girls in my basement. That means they're awake and they're conspiring against me. I was gonna say there was this there's this clown class I've been taking. And I used to take a clown class in New York. Can way I back stop when. and say thanks for saying something weirder than me saying last time I was at hypnotherapy? <laughs> No I really problem. feel good. No problem. That you're like, I was at a clown class. Well, it's clown clowning is all nonverbal. Uh, okay, it's there you very go. Very rarely verbal. Hey. In fact, the clown, the way you know people speak about clowning is they refer to clown <laughs> as just clown, <laughs> but it's very creepy. But and the teacher will side coach and say like, is clown upset right now? Is clown is clown angry right oh, now? Oh, interesting. So clown doesn't really have a pronoun attached. It's just very strange, but. No, but that makes sense. Clowning is very much based in just the physical experience of being in your body, <clears throat> and the clown doesn't know words. Yeah. And doesn't have access to language. As if clowns weren't scary enough, <laughs> they're tender lovers. <laughs> they're responsive and respectable fuck buddies. But here's the thing, and this has been a huge lesson. I mean, it's so true. Like, whatever your challenges are as an actor, you know, and what's hard to access is are your challenges in your life for sure and so with clowning one of the most difficult things is just experiencing the joy of being a clown yeah meaning like there are exercises we do where everybody's standing in a group and and there's a ball being thrown around and you just catch the ball and you have to say fully filled with joy look ma it's me it's me, and I've got the ball. Oh, my God. Okay, okay. I this sounds it. like no, dumb, but it. It, it is truly the most to just be so <laughs> it excited. It moved me a little it's, bit. No, it's, it's the most beautiful work I've ever seen. I, I'm telling you, and I'm in a class with some actors, but some just like, like there's this Latina girl who's in How high can school. How Isn't she wearing makeup? <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody wears makeup. It's not that type of clown. I would want to no, wear not the that makeup. Type of I want to hide in the makeup. This no, is just can't. straight, straight clown. Well, and by the way, you don't get your nose till the end of the class. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ceremony. <laughs> no, the ceremony is the craziest thing of all. The ceremony is everybody lies on the ground, and you're taken through a visualization. Where the teacher walks around and you have no, you, you have your eyes closed and you're asked to forget your gender, you're asked to forget the year when you were born. That's not hard for Paul. Like <laughs> you felt me thinking about it. I love it. I saw like one eyebrow. Come up. <laughs> and so you're asked to forget your sexuality mm-hmm. and your, you know, 
the space and where you are and that time exists. I mean, you were literally brought to a place through this visualization where you're a pile <coughs> of, of clown goo. <laughs> oh, wow. A pile of clown goo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Or you could say tapping into the one consciousness. Yes. And so you're, you're lying yeah. there and you're truly, I mean, this is a half an hour he takes you through this. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, you're, sl- you're given your nose and you start to wake up. And so I'm like going to cry talking about this because it truly is the most beautiful. You wake up and you start to see people and you see your clothes and you see, and you truly, and you know, you're in a class, but you're. I really went through a, like, it was like being, Birth. yes, yeah. it was the craziest thing You're ever. Clown born. And then you start to work, like you start the work from there. And it's just amazing. But anyway, it I was going to say that, you know, it was very difficult for me to, my clown is very angry and can access anger so easily. Yeah. And rage, really, and just all of those feelings. Mm. But to have to be on stage with a group of people and honestly... Say, look, Ma, it's me. It's me, and I've got the ball. That's hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's Tony Robbins saying that I love you to ha- yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, and saying that there is a part of you that's excited and wants your mom to see you with the ball. Yes, and wants to be seen and is yeah. excited about this ball. Yeah, but it is. it sounds to me like this And is... excited to just be alive. Right. And, and that is, like, very difficult to do right. in front of a group of people and honestly. Right. And to be excited about something simple, like I have yes. a ball, instead of I got a tax refund or no, I'm a on promotion this show or, or something whatever. obvious. Yep. You're just like, I have a ball. And that's, that's putting you in the moment. And we're, we're getting rid of the ego pretty good. Absolutely. With all that, when we said that tapping into one consciousness, that I, you know, the Buddha would say that all of suffering, uh, you know, life contains suffering. He didn't say life is suffering, but life contains suffering. suffering. And then, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, but that like uh, that suffering stems from us not knowing ourselves or knowing the true nature of the universe. And then, you know, the Buddha, (laughs) I just like saying it properly. The Buddha uh, would say that like, you know, true joy and bliss is realizing that we're all the same, that we're all that we're all in that pile of clown goo all the time. Not Mm -hmm. just when we're in a class, not just when someone throws you the ball, but right now, whatever it is you're doing, you're not alone. You can't be alone. You've never been alone. You'll never be alone. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And that's why, like, it's different from analysis and the Jungian, like, reuniting the self with self. Mm. Because that implies there's work to be done to do that. As opposed to, like, the Buddhist, we're already there. And you just need to wake yes. up. Yes. And we do kind of wake up. And then I, I think those people who are talking to cab drivers or Tom Cruise... Uh, or t- Tony Robbins, all, the, all these people, Tony spilling the poems to his wife. The Tonys. The, to- <laughs> the Tonys and the Toms. <laughs> or Tom learning names when he doesn't have to. Yeah. I think that's him being like, I'm you and you're me and I see mm-hmm. you and you and you and me and we're all together. And I love that. Yeah. I could stand to do some straight clowning. Oh my God, I would love you to take a class. I'm serious. I think it, <clears> I, I, it's been the most difficult work I've ever done. I bet. Well, you and said another rate. thing. Yeah. Another thing that happens in the class is this thing called the Ring of Fire, which is. The, Do you all carpool together? <laughs> okay. I don't know any of these people. I think if I Pretty did, easy. I'd have a really hard time going. Really? Yes. Yeah. And in fact, I felt toward the end of the class that a few people like recognized me from different shows and stuff, and I started to get very self-conscious and really had to fight that. But so I, you I don't know a, a single person. CA in that clowning class. anonymous. Yeah. You're not allowed to say I was here. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, okay. But I can't remember what I was going to say. You were saying it's the hardest work I've ever done? It's the hardest work I've ever done. There, 
is an exercise called the Ring of Fire. Oh, yes, there it is. In which you, your class is in a circle, you get up, and you can't leave until everyone, including teacher, laughs simultaneously a belly laugh. Whoa. And you don't have language. And it is some I of... I would <laughs> never leave. I would still be there. What I saw, I mean, I saw a girl who was in there for almost an hour, the bulk of the class. That sounds like a Scientology experiment. No, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen, but, yeah. but guess what? Like, Which, by the way, those weird experiments, I'm not even putting down Scientology, yeah. easy target. I like those weird things. When yeah. they're like, L. Ron Hubbard would make you get in a box <laughs> and make you say things in Latin, and you don't know Latin until you accidentally say something that's really Latin. And I'd be like, oh, cool. <laughs> But that sounds like a crazy Where's experiment. Where's that box and how can I get in? Yeah, I know. You ha- the first person to do it is still in there. <laughs> he just can't remember E pluribus unum. <laughs> Once he does, we'll let him out. <laughs> so, okay, girl was in there for an hour. Did she yeah, start getting and, frustrated? Well, a lot, what was happening is that a lot of us could sense her anxiety and her, you know, humiliation. And No makeup. This isn't like um, I want the makeup. This is not circus clowning. I want this circus is like clowning. Lucille Ball, you know, type of clowning. I'd this rather is have like, the makeup. I, I, I want to hide in the makeup. Hide there. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a yeah. man standing there. That's crazy time with no words. And I just want to do like an old Seinfeld joke and get out of there. Nope. <laughs> Who's shaving on the plane? <laughs> not only that, but we all we all started to laugh to try to get her out. You know, and and that. And the teacher, who's actually he's a very kind man, but he knew there wasn't an authentic laugh. And it Ugh. wasn't the laugh that was the out. And he wasn't laughing. And so we were trying, the group was trying to help her get out of there. And she had to go to these crazy places of like trying and wanting to leave and trying to leave and then coming back and just doing any sort of physical thing. And then finally. <coughs> She found something. What was it? I don't know if it was... It was some sort of thing she was hiding in her shirt. I mean, this is going to sound completely insane, but it was a physical, like, she was hiding in her shirt, and then she kept on popping out, and she sort of popped out, and then, like, she hid, and then, like, pulled the shirt over and was screaming from the inside. Yeah. You could see her face, and it was funny, and everybody laughed. But it was, like, it was a journey. I'm having anxiety... For the next person who's also in 45 minutes and then is like, should I do the shirt thing again? <laughs> Does anyone have some car keys? I don't. Yeah, you have anxiety. nothing. You have nothing. You have nothing she but yourself and your body. Really, shouldn't the exercise be done naked? I knew you were going to say that. But I'm saying, shouldn't it? No, because the clown can... The clown's not a sexual. <laughs> Let me knew. tell you about the clown. Well, what if we could the get rid of The clown's not sexual I, at all. I know. Well, tell that to every so clown sorry. I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, if we could get, if we could separate from the sexuality of being naked, right? Well, no, I shouldn't say the clown isn't sexual. The clown is sexual in a childlike way, so I guess very sexual in some ways. Like the clown's sexuality is like a kid's, and yeah. so very in touch, but not like an adult. People don't kind like of a sexuality. Clown. No, yeah. people don't want to see. A sexy I don't want to see that. Nobody wants sexy clown. Harley Quinn, the Joker's sidekick. <laughs> Sexy clown. Sexy clown. She does. She was more of an anarchist. Right. Anyway, so you went in that circle and you had to be funny. Yeah. And it was very, I mean, I'm not good in this class. And yeah. so that's the other thing is like, I think after, 
I don't know. It's nice to go somewhere where you, it's hard. And I struggled with it for a long time, but like to know that I'm sometimes the worst person in class, mm. mm-hmm. you know, I'm a Capricorn. There's a lot of, there's a lot of weight put on being the best mm. and like getting to the top and doing the right thing and being, and having teacher like me. Well, I'm an Aries and I feel the exact same. You feel it. In do fact, you know what your rising and moon are and all that stuff? Yes. No, I don't. <laughs> oh, you need to find that out. Because no, a I lot don't. of times it's more telling than... Oh, like really? the way... Yeah. Usually your sun sign is your present, but your your um, Wait, rising sign. I don't sign. understand. Like if you think of it as present, past, and future, uh-huh. your sun sign is usually your present. What is my Or sun maybe sign? Aries. That's the one people know. Right. Or that's probably the way people see you, but your internal emotional life is probably nothing like that because that's oh. probably closer to what your rising sign is and, which oh. is your future and sort of what you're meant to do yeah interesting so, I got, it's, it's, so it's important to know you're into that yeah very much so paul told me very much so yeah, paul told me you're into it um yeah. i love that i i remember i dated a girl and her uh, mother was an astrologer and i was fascinated with it i'm surprised that i'm not more into it for some yeah. some reason it doesn't quite grab me but um I think it's just another tool, and I don't look at it in terms of, like, reading a crystal ball and finding out what's happening in the future. Sure. I think it's just another tool to know yourself. <laughs> but you uh, you get read regularly? or you Not regularly, but I'll do it, like, once a year. Yeah. How much does it change? Okay. Isn't it all in there? No, and in fact, a lot of what is great about <laughs> it is that it's not about how today went or this particular job it's like oh i'm coming out of a 12 year cycle right now like this is mm. a lot more big picture mm-hmm. stuff which i find comforting mm-hmm. that is interesting you know it's not it's not about today usually what are the things that people should know astrology gets a lot of uh you know people make fun of it a lot I yeah think. sure or people look down on it i think more yeah. than even some of the other weird things that nobody's ever talked about it on the show i'm into it i, I remember being getting a reading the, the woman also predicted her daughter's birth, I remember, oh, wow. like, very accurately. She put it in yeah. an envelope sort of thing and right. was like, this is her birthday and this is the time she'll be born. And- well, for example, my relationship with Casey, I'm a Capricorn sun and a Scorpio rising. And Casey is a Scorpio sun and a Capricorn rising. Uh-huh. And once we did an astrology, this is the ways in which I think it's helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it... And a lot of people who sort of study it and do readings are probably bullshit artists. I, absolutely. But but there are really good people who, you know, who can offer a lot, I think. Mm. And so, like, for Casey and I, you know, we got a reading done together. We were able to see, like, oh, wow, actually, the things that I need to work <laughs> on, you <coughs> automatically have and can mm. teach me. And the things that... Are, come so easy to me, you're looking for. And so there's like a nice Symbiotic. balance there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also like, once I realized I was a Scorpio, I'm sounding insane right now, but once I realized I was a Scorpio rising, Scorpio is the sign of like sex and death and it, it's, it's all about extremes and there's a real instinct to end things and to hmm. sever relationships when you feel they're not worthy and I have I have scorched things to the ground <laughs> in my life and like once I realize that I so have that instinct mm-hmm. it, there's just certain things that therapy doesn't get at for me hmm. or or maybe it's that I feel astrology makes me a little bit easier on myself 
which isn't to say I don't have agency over my, my own life or can excuse everything with just like, oh, I'm a Leo moon, so you'll have to you'll have to forget. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it's just simply <clears throat> in the stars. Right. It's not about that necessarily. It's more, you know, I have a fuller picture of like these are my challenges and I, and I can work on them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not. I don't look at it as just permission to just be whatever. Right. <laughs> you know. What is, what is the functioning uh, principle or, or the foundational principle of astrology? Just thinking about it uh, abstractly or whatever, you're born at mm-hmm. a certain time. And I, I remember my mother very kind of, uh, they're so loving, but like we've never been good at birthdays or, or, or like, like thoughtful gifts and stuff. Sure. And like they don't know when I was born, like what time. Yeah. They, they know roughly, but if you want like, apparently if you want like a really good reading, you need you to know need the to know time. time. Yeah. So the idea is you're born it's at this time. It's not on your birth certificate. It's not, no. How strange. There's a cigarette mark. Like someone <laughs> put out a cigarette on the birth certificate. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm just trying to, there's a pizza stain on my, on my birth certificate. It just says, Peter's here. Boston <laughs> welcomes Peter. A drop of period eye blood right where that should have been. <laughs> that sizzles. It sizzles. Yeah. Period blood, doesn't it? Absolutely. There's a sizzling. Absolutely. Oh, God. Uh, so I don't know when... It, so you're born at a certain time. You, June, are born. And it's... Uh, what You probably know this. January 4th, 1980. What time, though? Um, I don't know it offhand. It's on, yeah. It is on my birth certificate early in the morning. And presumably at that time, all the planets that we're aware of were in a certain configuration. Mm-hmm. And, there, and astrology is the study of those planets and stars that we know of. And the, that informs the science of how we behave. Absolutely. That's it? That's precisely it. Okay. And I would, I would add that, yes, it's it's sort of a, a snapshot of where the stars are when you come into the world. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, look, the moon obviously dictates our cycles and other things in the world. I, I think it's – it just does. It does? And so – I know the tides controls the tides, the tides. Our menstrual cycles. I mean, truly, the way life happens is based on a lunar cycle. It is, of course, twenty eight days. I love that movie. <laughs> oh God! Oh wait, so that's where that's why women. Yeah, we're in a twenty eight day lunar cycle. Some women, most women, and Not, I think most American women. You think other women I are think, on a different is it, we're, And we're back to the periods, which I think is great. I, I remember there was something on uh, 2020 or something about birth control and how American women have, like, regulated their cycle to be 28 right. days. But if you look at these African tribes that are, like, uh, no birth control and having kids more regularly, I think they get their period much more infrequently. Well, I wonder if it adjusts to actually avoid pregnancy more often. Hmm. Because... The, you know, the menstrual cycle is supposed to be 28 days. And yes, the taking the pill regulates that, absolutely. But that is just how our bodies are supposed to function. Okay, and that's on based on the moon. Of course. That's incredible. I never knew that. Really? Yeah, no, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. But I've, I've yet to become a woman. <laughs> but you're in transition. <laughs> We're almost there. I w- but I, you know what my point about the period was? Was uh, that sometimes men feel fat. Like, I'm sure even Paul, who's a skinny guy puts on a shirt sometimes and it's just like it's just not falling actually, on me correctly i think that men are becoming more and more body conscious it's something i've noticed the like the last right and, you know and in is, some is, ways there's some satisfaction in that because we're, women are just naturally viewed physically first and yeah. so i like that men are feeling that anxiety as much as we do but right but i also feel badly about it 
You know where I was just talking about this on stage. I don't have a bit about it yet, but I was like the way that men are about their hairlines are, mm. are how women are about everything. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that. You know, I still I have my hair, and I'm grateful for that. But it's certainly thinning. You know, what I mean, you notice in your late twenties or early thirties, you're like, oh, more hair is coming right. out. It's right. not like I'm going in. It's yeah. <laughs> Words coming out than going in. Tides going out. No men like talking about it. Men get very uncomfortable talking about it. And then here's the thing that I realize is like I'm not alone in the the guys that I've talked to. Once you start kind of realizing that maybe your your hair is on the way out, just like all of you is on the way out in a certain Mm. extent, you start looking at other men and like assessing their hairlines. Like you watch movies and you're like, pretty good hairline. Wow. Oh, okay. look at John Hamm's hairline. Like right. stuff that you never thought you would do. And that's I, that's my understanding that helped me sympathize or relate to women a little bit more who right. I think typically are like look at her ass or look at Yeah, you know, so how we high walk into a room are. and that's the first thing yeah. that's seen. I think that's a part I think it's happening subconscious when a guy meets another guy and if especially mm. if he's really good looking, you might note how thick his hair is. Right, right, right. Like it's it's weird. Well, I always thought like for men, you know, <clears throat> the way success like if I didn't have money and for many many years I had no money but I never felt that it was a reflection on who I was yeah do you know what I mean I never took it as though I have no money and therefore I'm nothing (coughs) whereas I've seen so many men in my life really take that on if they don't have money they are they are no money you know (laughs) know it's so funny I'm sorry no go ahead when I got my astrology reading I don't remember anything Except that she said you're going to have more money than God. Those were her words. That's all I remember. Well, that's exciting news. Great yeah, news. I, I suppose it is. I, I, Great I, news. I also thought it was interesting use of like blasphemy. I was like, I'm not comfortable with this. I don't like it. But um, it, I, it just speaks to and what we were just talking about and what I'd like to talk about more. And my own guilt in that sense that I was like, oh, men and money is, is seems important. Right. Like that's, that's Can I ask, thing. do you feel like... Do you have more money than God? <laughs> well, God doesn't have any money, so yeah. That's true. God would refuse money. God don't want no money. Yeah. I was going to ask, because I am, I am sort of fascinated by this. Do you get... Are mm. you, as a man, like grossed out by the idea of periods and we also lunar to, cycles and are we witches and all that? No. I'll, I'll have sex with a girl on her period. I think that's the best answer. You will. Of course. Um, Gross. We have to talk about marriage, by the way, too. That's an interesting question. But I like this question, too. Periods don't gross me out at all. Um, I I suppose you have to be sensitive to how the girl feels about it. It's a weird thing. I remember having that moment in my first therapist where I was just like, vaginas are weird. Like, they're packaged as, like, roses. And, like, Mm -hmm. you see, like, Playboy centerfolds and just frilly pillows and flowers (laughs) and ointments and a bath and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, women are, like, you know... Dust Bowl survivors, like like Native American squatting, birthing machines of of, of like tough, like the most painful mm-hmm. thing you can do. It's worse than breaking your femur. They say mm-hmm. that's a nine in childbirth is ten. Ten, the thing that's happening constantly, all, the all day, thousands of times. If people were breaking their femurs at that rate, we would stay inside. But like, so the vagina, you know, has really good PR. We've talked about it a couple times on the show before, but like I think there needs to be an appreciation for the fact that it isn't always uh, perfect yes. and, and flowery. Well, and also it's strange because as I just said, <coughs> you know, being a woman, you're constantly aware of being seen and in being looked at and walking into a room and knowing that that's the first thing. Right. And so it's it's such a handicap in a way, and yet it's the female body and what it can do is like also the most amazing thing in the world. Sure. So it's just so 
Well, I think you have Strange. life and death right there. Yeah. You literally have life, and that's what a period is. It's the death of the egg, and mm-hmm. we're seeing it being expelled. So right there, I think that even speaks to our fascination with the vagina, as, as a people, not just guys. But it's like, here's where we all came out of, as right. I said on the show before. It's the door we all came out of, men and women. We all have that in common. And it's also this thing that we're aware of, that once a month, it, it, shit dies, and mm-hmm. blood... The shit that we're all full of, that we all pretend we're not mm-hmm. full of, but it's right here. Well, I think that's a big part of it, too, is the the instinct. And it's horror movies are made of it, but and we want to see that happen, of yep. seeing our insides outside. Yeah. You know, seeing our insides outside is a crazy idea. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, I agree with you. and and But it also, the way that we whitewash it, and, and women don't shit, right. and women don't get their periods, and all that sort of well, stuff. Well, I think it's it's this fear that maybe, and I know we talked about autism, but I think horror movies really, uh, you know, explore it, but the fear that maybe we would, like, fall apart. Like, maybe our bodies aren't, um, there's only skin holding all of our organs and stuff together. Yeah, a lot of liquid. It's like a lot of liquid and a lot of just sacks of goo. Yeah. And maybe... Clown goo. <laughs> Clown goo. We are goo. We're goo. Yeah. We're organized goo. Exactly. And and <clears throat> maybe it could all fall apart. Yeah. And maybe it could come out somehow. You're right. That's what a horror movie is. It's fun Absolutely. to see, like, I I just cut myself, see? And you cut yourself and you start leaking. It's a crazy and you moment. you have this moment where... And, and, and it takes precedent over anything. I have to tell you, I was in... Long story short, I was in New York a couple of weeks ago, and I was in a really bad part of Queens because I was taking, I was dealing with a storage space in Queens, <clears throat> and I was heading to a U-Haul, and I was not in a great neighborhood. It was just industrial warehouses, not a store, not a house. And I was looking on my phone. I had one um, bar left to find where the U-Haul was, and I look up and I realize it's across a highway, and there's physically no way to You're get like, there. No, pro- no problem. <laughs> Kindergarten. June. I know this. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> You just threw your little Hello Kitty backpack over. Simple game of, what was that video game? Frogger. Yeah, simple game of Frogger and I'll be there. Kindergarten Frogger. But I was staring down at my phone and I walked into a stop sign. And I was so embarrassed at first and looked around. Nobody was around to make sure nobody saw it. And then I put my hand to my head. And my, I'll show you a picture on my phone. It's the most horrifying thing I've ever so seen. So you only had one bar left, but you took a photo. <laughs> yes. No, I actually took a photo later on. Okay. But yes, I looked down, my hands covered in blood. Wow. And then immediately I'm blinking, and I don't know why I can't see, and it's because there's so much blood in my eyes. Oh, my God. And I looked down, and my entire tank top's soaked. Holy shit. And so I had this moment of, like, everything's fine, and now... It's life or death. Like, mm-hmm. I fucked up so bad, and mm-hmm. I can't believe it's going to go down like this. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe I did something so stupid, and it's going to go down like this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a feeling I kept on having. Like, not this dumb. Like, please, please, right, God, right, right. like, let this not be how it goes down. Right. And I'm so freaked out because I can't see, and I keep <coughs> on wiping my eyes, wiping my eyes, and I look, now my legs are covered in blood. Holy fuck. And I feel it actually spouting like a whale, like blood is spouting out of my head. And I start running. And I don't know what to do. I have no idea what the next step is. I kept on trying to think to myself, like, what is what yeah. is plan A? Like, what do we do now? Yeah. And I'm running toward Van Damme Boulevard in Queens. Jean-Claude will know what to exactly. do. Exactly. <laughs> And I see this guy walking up to me who's holding a guitar, and I just know I need help. And I said to him, 
And I've never seen someone do a double take in person. Like he was opening a wrapper of a bar and was like, what? what? Like he was so shocked to sure. see my face. Sure. And uh, I mean, when I say boy, is boy. my face red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was a human period. Were you feeling pain or were you kind of no pain shock? at all? Yeah. I was just so shocked. Yeah. And I was so I had the, this calculation in my head of if I if I panic and if I'm upset He's not going to help. Interesting. Like, I just... You got to be cool. I have to be okay. Hey, what's happening? No, so, I mean, We're filming I, a movie I around the corner. I said to him, it must have looked insane. I go, hi, I'm totally fine. Like, I, my voice went up. I was like, I'm totally fine. He just hit my head on a stop sign. I just don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, I was coming at him with the craziest energy that yeah, was yeah, so yeah. wrong. I mean, yeah. I, I looked like a, um, <clears throat> I'd been shot in the head. Yeah. I looked like I'd been shot in the head. Wow. So he was very kind and he, you know, brought me over and we sat down and it was actually fascinating because every man that walked by stopped to help and not a single woman did. So now people Which are is, walking by because we're on. Yes, we're JC now on people. like a, a yeah. you know, and yes, a populated street. And this one guy took off his T-shirt and handed it to me because I also had tanked up on in a tiny bra like this and I was lifting it up. To just so I'm just sitting in a bra, bleeding. And it was a crazy moment, but the but but all of this was to say the amount. Can I say there's something funny about the bra showing? Because a bra <laughs> is such a Western, modern sort of like invention. It's like an, another thing keep that's it together, sort of keep keeping it the girl together. Yeah. It, it's a, it's an artifice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And here you are bleeding, being so profoundly human and vulnerable, and you know, your bra <laughs> is showing. Yep. It's like you were holding an iPad on the And I was like so aware, aware of it. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. And this guy, to you know, keep me modest, literally took off a T-shirt and handed it to me so I could put it on and pull my shirt down. Wow. And, but anyway, all this was to say it was such a shocking amount of blood. Mm-hmm. For such a minor, for so, you can see it. There's a tiny, the tiniest of. I don't see it. You don't even see it now. I, don't I mean, see the it. tiniest. Well, you do of have cuts. full clown makeup on. Right that's now, true. So that's see. true. I mean, wear it to every podcast. You just, you just got hit just right. But this is one yes. of those things: is 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 we're constantly shutting out of our mind that, uh, and also embracing at the same time. Even just watching shows that, like Breaking Bad and mm-hmm. stuff, where people are dying. There's there's a ritual to it. We like to be reminded that we're that, and also keep that as far out of our brain as, as possible. possible. You could hit yourself checking your phone, right? And Gushtown, Geyser City, Geyser City the in a second. Of- like life. Uh, that's what I kept on thinking of. Like, oh, now and now life is this. Yeah, yeah. And now life is this. Well, I that- I have either injured myself, and maybe I'm brain damaged. I also. I, I feel this a lot, though. I don't know if I'm somebody who put, pushes that away. That's actually a running. I lost my mom to a very, very suddenly into a brain aneurysm, and life was over like that. So yeah. I'm actually very aware that, like, one wrong turn, texting while driving, like, I'm hyper aware that life can change in a second. Yeah. But, but that moment was so crazy to see so much of my inside outside. Yes. Startling. That's, that's wild. Um, that made me, I mean, that's the thing that I was going to say the whole time was the idea that we could go to the hospital at any moment and get some sort of news. Like, that's why we hate hospitals. It's like, it's where you go in to get your casual life renewed. You know what I mean? Can you stamp this again so I can go out and forget that this place exists? And then you go back out. And we all know that at some point, maybe a diagnosis or maybe, maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, 
maybe you don't get that. Like in the case of your mom, I'm assuming she died suddenly. Very if you had a suddenly, brain yes. aneurysm. Very suddenly. No pain, just go, gone? Uh, she was aware for, I think, a little while that something was happening, but from... It's funny, there are certain things, there are certain questions I have not asked about the timeline, to be totally honest, but from what I've surmised, 2007. Okay. Yeah, so, but from what I've surmised, she knew something was happening, but she wasn't scared, necessarily, Mm. and um, she was anxious that something was going on with her body, because, you know, one of her, her left side was starting to go numb, but um, she was not in pain at all. Mm. So, at work during the day, or no? She was actually away on vacation with my dad, and she was, they were dancing. It's such oh, a beautiful story. Yeah. Wow. But in in <laughs> it's a beautiful. It's very story. beautiful. I'm it's so very, sorry, though. Thank you. But um. But I mean, if if you were sitting around, somebody for an interview just asked me how I would like to die. And I was like, that's such a good question. I'd like to steal it for my show. It was Joe Randazzo, who's the head editor of The Onion for a while. And I was talking about, my answer was something about, like, I'd like, whatever it is, I'd like a moment to realize something's wrong, just mm-hmm. so I can be like, oh, th- I said, thank you, good night. I'd really, I, I'm almost certain my last words are going to be fuck, no matter what right. it is, I'm just going to say right. fuck, I say fuck so much, I'm going to be like, ah, oh, fuck, and then I'm going <laughs> to die. But, like, I'd really like it to be like, this is happening, like a snow yeah. day, it's irrevocable, it's inevitable, all yeah. I have to do is surrender and and try in that moment to be grateful in that final right. in that thing and be like thank you good night see you later right 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 um, so why did I say that oh well, when, when, think... if she were sitting around saying how would I like to die probably dancing with my husband absolutely right? and I'm so grateful for that right. my mother had a it's crazy to say beautiful death it is absolutely a and death, I'm yeah. grateful for it yeah um, but and and it was so strange because afterwards when I went home. I was looking through her wallet, <coughs> and the, she had written something down on a little piece of paper that it was in her handwriting, and it, it said, God grant me the grace of a happy death. What? It was very strange. There are things that happen surrounding that time that are... Hit it. Well, that... <laughs> that... No, that's good enough, but I mean, yeah. like, if there are other things, this is a good place. You know... I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. Did you frame that? I have it. I didn't frame yeah, it. Yeah, it's a little weird, more, but I suppose. I mean, there were other. There was. I went into her drawer, and she had saved. <laughs> there was just, you know, cards that we had written, and just stuff from me and my sisters. But then also, uh, the this Life magazine from God knows when, and on the cover of it was a picture of a brain, and it was all about the brain, hmm. which is the area that was affected, and and sure. so that was very very strange and there were just pete there were just things yeah. <laughs> that um what, what, in the way in which my mom died you know we were faced with the decision to take her off of life support hmm. which was devastating and a responsibility that i just nobody wanted and as we were struggling with it and we were waiting for her brother to show up and we were waiting to sort of all be there, and as we had, we had made the decision to do it, mm. and everybody was just sick about it. But she was brain dead, you know. And um, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs>
Yeah, I was like, <laughs> it's all right. I'm like, so I think sorry. I touch you. Don't I touch you in this moment? <laughs> so sorry. It's okay. I don't know what to do. I can't believe this is happening right no. now. <laughs> it's very beautiful, if so that sorry, means crying. anything. <sighs> but, um, she died before we had to, which was beautiful. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Wowie zowie. <laughs> <laughs> so Wowie zowie. I'm so sorry. No, it's it's like, thank you. You're thank you, Pete. Oh, it's, it's actually, like, good to talk about. Of course like, it is. I know this has got very emotional and, and hard to find our way out of this moment, probably, but... No, I don't want to get out of them. Yeah, I know it's but painful, it's, but it's a, it's a good it's, moment. you know... That's the weird thing about, like, grieving is that um, it's sometimes good to be shocked by it because after a while it becomes not as sad and there's a sadness to that. And so to be surprised by the feelings is, I know I'm crying right now, but actually makes me happy in a way. Of course, of course. We've we've had other people on the show that lost parents and have similar feelings and those are always the moments that people... There's so many people going through this right now. Not that exact situation, but, like, it happens. This is going to happen. Yeah. And as, as I see you feeling this pain, I, I'm, I'm, of course, struck with the feeling that, I, you know, I'll lose my mother at some point. And that's incredibly yeah. – I'm very close with her, and I, I think about yeah. that. So it's even helpful to me in some way. Yeah, it's – you know, grief is dealt with in such a weird way. You've survived this moment beautifully with me, but <laughs> – but people have very strange reactions to grief. We don't like it. Yeah. People don't like it. People like saying, I'm sorry for your loss, and then going to yeah. some sort of buffet. Yeah. Yeah. And I get that in a way we're talking so much about language, because language really fails to get at, to get at those feelings. Mm-hmm. And I w- was in therapy before my mom died and remained in therapy, and it was a good net for me in terms of the the darkness, but at the same time, it really didn't help. Yeah. It really didn't help. Like, there were just... It couldn't get at the scope of the feelings. Is that the lesson, though, that it's not supposed to be helped or something? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, there, I, there's I just only comfort... Like, the comfort... I guess what I'm saying is the comfort has not been in words, and it has not been... Which isn't to say... I mean, look, I think of how I reacted to people in my life who lost friends or parents and I look back and wish I had done things differently because I didn't know yeah you know and I'd be scared to call and I'd be scared to bring it up and well it's funny people don't know what to do yes I I remember sorry it's it pales in comparison but as you know I I was divorced and like I just remember huge loss it's a loss absolutely it's a loss and it's a little bit of a carpet it's like a little bit of a, a relationship death certainly and I just remember, like, people not... Even people that I still love very deeply, I'm not hard on them, but people not knowing what to do. And I'm not sure I know what to do. Right. When I have friends that go through things, and you're just like, ah, oh. like, But the friends that did 
like my like my friend uh i'll never forget it kurt came uh he flew in and helped Aww. me move out of my house <laughs> like my stupid weird house in sleepy hollow which is a humiliating yeah. thing like you're like right. i remember speaking of you with the with the head injury like there's an embarrassment to it so yes. you want to be like everything's fine yes. everything's fine i'm just moving out <laughs> you know what i mean like there's such a declaration to carrying a mattress my life out of here. <laughs> yeah. don't mind me i kept thinking i would run into one of the three people i knew up there and would be like why are you I know you, you've only been here four months or whatever. Right. I was like, yeah, I'm just uh, uh, right. who, who having a yard sale right. in this truck. But by the way, it's a crazy thing when you're in a moment of crisis to feel the instinct to take care of other people's reactions. Yeah, that. I know. Like, I'm sorry you're having to see this. But that's what it is. And, and yeah. I, I didn't feel it coming from you then, uh, but there is an element of, of embarrassment. I remember tripping and falling, kind of like your stop sign when I was in camp and I got this big egg on my arm, like I really thought I had broken it. But my first feeling was how embarrassing. Like I've tripped and I got up really quickly and blood was going down my arm. But all I wanted was no one to call me like trippy, trippy McTrip stuff the rest of camp. It was at camp. I didn't want to be known as the kid that tripped. And you didn't want to be known as the weird uh, girl with a a head wound and all that sort of stuff. Right. But but here's what I, because I also have friends I think when you go through something major that defines your life from then on out, it's before that happened and it's after that happened and nothing is ever the same again, you know, not everybody comes with you. Mm -hmm. And I I both gained a number of people who came out of nowhere yes, and also lost certain people because they couldn't. And maybe I couldn't either, but for whatever reason, it just was no longer the same. I was just watching Six Feet Under. People keep telling me I'd love the show Six Feet Under. I've never seen it. I had never seen it either. And it's clearly good. I was watching it and I was like, this is clearly great. But I was like, it was so much about death. And and in the pilot, somebody in a family dies. It's not a spoiler. It's like, that's what right. the show's about. Somebody dies. And it's the family dealing with the arrangements. And I was like, this is too much as fiction. Someone right. who loves talking about death and loss. And it's a big part of the show is to talk about death. Right. But I was like, I can't handle people talking about embalming and right. open caskets. And I was right. like, this is like being at a funeral. But they talk about how in other cultures, you know, this is – see, I, I now I'm feeling like I should watch it. I should face this challenge or whatever of watching this very entertaining Emmy-winning show or whatever. Right. But they do – they talk about like he was in – I think it was Italy or something or Greece. And he sees a funeral and people are throwing themselves on the coffin mm-hmm. and wailing and screaming and just, you know, snot-nosed mm-hmm. and disgusting. Uh, you know, uh, I guess objectively unpleasant, maybe not disgusting. Right. Uh, but he was like, that makes so much more sense than what we do, which is light organ music. We we put the makeup on. I, 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 I lost a cousin of mine recently, and they really cleaned him up so much it didn't mm-hmm. look like him. You know what I mean? Like they took... They took his, uh, I'm not putting him down, I don't think anybody thinks that, but they took his gut away? Like, he didn't have a gut anymore? And then you're just standing there and you're like, oh, that's because they cut him open and, right. you know, his, all his intestines were analyzed and well, studied. Well, it's the same shit. thing. The grieving person is, it, it is seeing the insides outside. It's yeah. like, <clears throat> truly, it's seeing the internal life, like, so present yeah. um, is a lot for people to handle. Right. And, and I do think that... You know, the ritual surrounding death, we don't do well at all. No. You know, we just don't. It it was very shocking to me, you know, how the instinct to move forward and to move on and to right. continue was right. very disturbing to me. It's like the period. Yes. It really is. Four days, clean it up, 
and then on you go. And then go to Victoria's Secret and put on something light colored just to show just how not a period you have. Right. And, White and there is an instinct, and I find myself doing it too. Of like, you know, a friend of ours is going through through something right now, and, and a bunch of our friends are talking about it. And there's a lot of like, oh, he's doing well, though. He's doing well. Right. He's doing well. Right. And there's this. He's not he's doing, not doing well. well. Of course he's, he's not. Not doing well. But of course he's not. We don't. So tell me, this is. I think this could be important. What What is the good thing? What What, what did people do? All I'm thinking. Did someone bring you soup? No, and in fact, I found that the people who really helped were not um, were showing up in the oddest of ways, mm. and it wasn't in the thing that they said; it was in the attempt to do so, mm-hmm. and the willing to willingness <laughs> to sit with me and my family and be uncomfortable. Yeah, owning and to it. ride through the moments with us, as opposed to, you know. I don't know, even saying the right thing. Right. You know, I I respected people more who didn't say the right thing and were trying to, as opposed to like the sort of... I fucked up. (laughs) Some sort of finger food. I shouldn't have said that. Right. And I guess for grieving people, this is... And and again, you know, but I have friends who've lost parents who are like, oh, but I didn't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I I do. Right. I found it very strange. I came back to L.A. and some people just didn't mention right. that it happened. Right. And I found that so shocking. Yeah. I keep thinking it would be like, I hear you're on your period. It would be the yeah, same thing absolutely. as it would be worse to say, like, I'm sorry, your mom passed or whatever. Yes. Even the word passed. Your it's mom, a your, lot. Yeah. And then I, even people who did, who I sensed how uncomfortable they were, I would then move the conversation along you're the person that hit their head and you're like, I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm totally fine. Yeah. Like, I will let you out of this moment so quickly. Don't worry. But like, I'm not going to break apart in front of you. <laughs> right. But like I tr- did just five minutes no, ago. No, you didn't at all. You didn't okay. at all. That was very human and lovely. The, the idea is that you and the family aren't handed a script. You yes. are also uncomfortable with your grief. And you also don't know the right thing to say. And just like social anxiety in mm-hmm. general in a situation, I'm thinking I don't know what to say. But really, the other person doesn't is also uncomfortable and doesn't know what to say. We're so, all improvising. But yeah. we think you've been cast. Mm-hmm. Your mom passes, and then we're like, now you play that part, and you get right. to do that, and I'll be the guy that ducks in. But you're, right. what you're saying is, like, embrace the fact that none of us know what we're doing. Yes, and I guess the one thing that I will try to do from here on out <laughs> is it was the people who didn't ask permission to help and didn't wait for the right time and call first. Mm-hmm. There, it was the people who had the b- fucking balls <laughs> to show up with something they had made and to put it in and to heat it up and to integrate themselves into our family and yeah. take care of us because we didn't know what to do. Right. And I r- so respected the courage right. that I know that took. It's always that fucking family weirdo. My dad is one of those people. He's I, I really love my father to death and, and the idea that he's like... He goes to wakes and stuff mm-hmm. and, and will make that effort. And I, I, I know other people like that that are just like, I'm going to go over to Earl's house. Earl, whose entire family just died? Yeah. But I don't know if he wants it. He's going. Like, he's going to risk I it. I think that's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great it's It a is great such quality. a great quality because, 
well, you know, I, I think ultimately we all want to feel that our experiences have been validated. Right. Witnessed. Witnessed. Well, that's Absolutely. What, that's what hippos and all uh, different mammals do that sort of thing. Yeah. Somebody dies and they kind of like sit. Like the Jewish sitting. Sitting Shiva. Thing. Yeah, sitting I Shiva. I think the sitting Shiva is beautiful. I it's wish great, Again, that we and did it. we've, we've double uh, been jealous yes, of the Yes, absolutely. It's true, but that again is letting it be uh, mm-hmm. putting the focus on something else and mm-hmm. kind of like not not glossing it right. over. I feel like even the Irish tradition, I'm not making an alcoholic joke of like getting drunk and like moving on, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Where it's like the, the Jewish thing of let's eat, you know, cheese and sit and right. just deal with it right. seems to make a lot of sense. I, again, sorry, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, that's a pop-up for me to keep apologizing that all I have is my divorce. And I'm grateful that all I have is my divorce because mm-hmm. um, that's a pretty short grief list. But I remember my brother came and just did nothing, just sat. And I, I, we weren't even really close. Right. And well, now we're much closer. It's so funny because men, I, I did notice with my dad, my sisters and I are all very emotional, I would say, in tune with whatever we're feeling. And so <coughs> our girlfriends all came over and cried with us and wailed with us. I mean, it was like a house of wailing yeah, women. Yeah, yeah. And I would look outside and see my dad mowing the lawn and see our neighbors just coming over and standing by him. Yeah. And they were talking about something entirely different. Right. With that, by the way, that's very Irish too. It's like we're, we're talking about this. Right, right, right. We're not talking about this. But, but in in some ways, I I don't judge that because it's very beautiful. It's right. different. Right, 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 right. But it's actually it's no less meaningful. It's no less meaningful. Right. Right. That's how it is with my when it was with my cousin uh, who died recently. Where, where we you stand around, and you you do make small talk sort of thing, and then you look for the indication for, from his brother. When he starts talking about right. it, then you're kind of like, oh, let's also, I'll chime in with a memory or, or right. whatever it is. It's the most awkward thing you can do. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, everyone knows the truth is, it happened. Mm-hmm. That I, I remember, oh my God, I'm glad I'm remembering this because it meant so much to me. And it was my brother, actually. Uh, when I got divorced, he was like, on The Sopranos... So many people die and so much happens. So they're always at funerals. And what they always say is, what are you going to do? And I actually took this real comfort in this, like, there's an ownership of, like, that's how it is. What are you going to do? It sounds kind of dismissive, but I really kind of enjoyed that my brother wasn't saying more fish in the sea Mm. or things that were actually true. You're a young Mm -hmm. man. Everything's going to be fine. Don't worry. But, like, that's fine. But it's also nice to just be like, what are you going to do? Shit happens. Mm -hmm. There was a nice... Mm-hmm. Nice, because we weren't steering away. We weren't talking about politics. He was like, shit right. happens. And I was like, yeah. Well, and it's what I think is interesting about grief and and loss of marriages and loss of babies and miscarriages and all this sure. stuff is that it doesn't just sort of – there's not a prescribed time period in which one gets over. And I'm sure you deal with this, but – Oh, it's, it's like so every new that. loss yeah. is also that old loss, too. And right. that comes up. <clears throat> and even every joy now. I mean, getting married without my mother there, going through career accomplishments. It's it's <clears throat> it's it's great and it's wonderful and it's sad. Yeah. It's like there's no longer one feeling. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. You know, you there's no longer like just it's, happiness. It's a tapestry. Yes. Yeah. It's a mosaic. And that's right. beautiful. So yes. you reminded me of a couple things. One, when I got divorced, I remember my doctor, it was a doctor that I like at a clinic, basically. We didn't really, like have a relationship. He was like, keep, he was like, I'm pretty depressed. I just got divorced. He was like, well, keep an eye on those feelings. If you're still feeling them in six months, we might want to put you on something. I was like, you're giving me six, six months, months to get over six years, you fucking dummy, you quack. Uh, so fuck that shit. 
Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, take your time. It's now been six, seven years since then. And, you know, I've been feeling great for a long time. But go on your own schedule. The other thing that's great about the human condition is that, like, if you win the lottery, there's the genetic set point of of your happiness. I'm interested in happiness a lot. So you, June, were born with a certain capacity for happiness. It's genetic. We can can alter that a couple ways. One is medication. You know, Mm -hmm. you have those things that block whatever dopamine blockers or or, something blockers. There's that. There's that, or which is I don't really I'm not really into that. Fortunately, I haven't haven't had to deal with that. Meditation also can open. Mm-hmm. I know you're into that. Mm-hmm. Also, changes your body's uh, tolerance for like joy and mm-hmm. stuff. Like increases it, which is great. But the great thing about being human, and one of the reasons why we've survived as a species, is that if you win the lottery, it'll make you happier for a couple weeks, let's say, um, maybe a couple months even. But then, like in a year or two we could measure you again and you'll be just as happy as you were before, which is good. Okay. So that sounds like I'm cursing us as a people, but also, um, and I'm going to take this away from you because it might not be true, but studies have shown with some people that if something bad happens, um, you will be sad for a time. Mm. But then if we check in with you in three years or whatever, you'll be as happy as you were before it happened, which is kind of, which is kind of crazy. Well, and I would say too, to add to that, in some ways I feel like I have, more capacity for joy. Yes. A hundred percent. And I feel that the highs are higher now. Mm-hmm. I think because of a heightened awareness of how delicate it all there is. There you go. Well, the, the, well we, we, that's another thing I can't stop talking about. So I'm not even going to apologize by saying we've said this on the show before. But the idea that life doesn't make sense without death. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That life is death. That we're, that we're, born, and we're born to die and all that sort of stuff. But chocolate cake tastes better because you know mm-hmm. you're going to die. And, and I, uh, we've made this exact analogy recently, but I don't fucking care. I heard it when I said it then, and I'm hearing it when I say it now. If it's you true. knew you had the rest of eternity to find a better chocolate cake, you wouldn't care mm-hmm. as much about that chocolate cake. But you know that you're there, present, T. Cruz, right. T. Rob style. You're eating that cake, and you're crying, mm-hmm. and you're emoting, and you're mm-hmm. Tony writing a, a spontaneous, embarrassing poem. But it's because you know that that's the cake, that the seat you're in is the best seat in the house. That's where you are right now and owning it. But if we knew, like as Duncan Trussell said, you wouldn't play a game that never ended. But because you know the game ends at some point, it it makes it worth worth it. So true. Right? So true. And, you know, there are, you know, the only reason why I struggle with that and I agree with it is that I still feel that I, I still feel a certain amount of grief. And this is going to sound weird, but on behalf of my mom, meaning grieving for her for her life as opposed to my loss yep. which is huge but grieving for her own loss of her own life no, that's and and that huge. i have still i really struggle with because that makes me really sad and that's almost a sadness that's apart from my own missing her yep. it's like her missing her and that that's hard it's great no i think that's evolved and i don't think that you my therapist can, sometimes helps me own certain feelings, and, and I'll be talking about, like, something that I regret. And he's like, I think that might be okay. I think that's mm-hmm. your thing. And it sounds to me, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but it sounds to me like Why that. Why am I paying for this? <laughs> it's a copay. Okay, but still. <laughs> it's a $300 copay. But it's the idea that, like, that is some evolved grief, and it's, and it's pretty beautiful. When my friend Pat Bryce died, he was this wonderful comedian mm. that we all kind of started with in Chicago. T.J. Miller, for as much as people kind of like to be like, who is this person? Like, he's like this robot of comedy, has this really huge heart. And I remember when Pat died, it was really hard on T.J. I remember he said, it was hard on all of us, but like, 
TJ is TJ is a kind of guy, and I mean this is a real compliment. You want at your funeral mm-hmm. because he has a really good ability to grieve and to understand and to put it into words. And one of the things he said that reminded me of what you just said was he was like he was mad and upset and sad at he put it into comedy terms, but at the at the work we were losing because Pat mm-hmm. was such a genius and so funny. He was like. I just can't stand the thought of the jokes we're not mm-hmm. going to hear. I know jokes are silly. Am I making you sad again? No, not at all. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm listening. I, I'm always sad. So there's no... No, I just... varying degrees. I didn't want to make it not worse. Not at all. But I mean, like, I, I guess what I'm saying is it's okay to feel sad about this sort of stuff. But, well, and the, but see, that's the... I think ultimately that's the finality of death, which is that the relationship doesn't grow necessarily. Right. It's It's... I still have a relationship with my mother, well, but that, it's that a- it, and that that is alive, but it's not necessarily <laughs> growing, yeah. and so that is something to grieve for. And I guess you're right, and to to feel okay about grieving for. Do you want to hear one of the trippiest stories that gives me comfort about death? Yes, please. It's so trippy. It's so trippy. <laughs> I don't. I think I've, I know I've said it on the show before, but it was a year ago at least. So I'm into – oh, boy. This is so weird. I'm into the idea of uh, astral projection. It hasn't come up on the show in a while because, okay. to be honest, my interest uh, wavers. But it's the idea that um, you know a lot of uh, monks and stuff and, and big Indian uh, guru types say that through meditation they can leave their bodies. Um, completely conscious, come out in real time, go around, open windows, basically mm-hmm. be a ghost, and then come back. Uh, but you can fly. You can time travel. It's basically – you know what? I'm not going to apologize. It's basically, if it's real, and I can feel people already commenting that it's bullshit and I should move on, but there are people that think it's real. So even if it is a trick of the mind, they're experiencing mm-hmm. something that they think is real, and that sounds pretty profound. So even if it's bullshit, I'd like to be one of those people mm-hmm. that's like, I can do that mm-hmm. thing that you think is fake. <laughs> so either way, I'm on board. Um, this is the story. Is this The guy who wrote this book that I recommend, it's 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 good. It's it's not my like favorite book, but it's... Uh, called Astrodynamics, and he told the story about his, his mother used to do it as well, and they were, like, into it big time. And uh, I think maybe he learned it from her. And so he was able to talk to her after she had died. That's one of the things that these people are doing. And this is so, okay, I understand Occam's Razor, is the story true? No, mm-hmm. okay? Everybody just fucking calm, calm down. down. Let me just tell a myth, if it's okay. a myth. Uh, or maybe it's true, this guy said it was true. His mother had uh, died uh, like in her sleep sort of thing, but she had been projecting at the time, which meant she had left her body, and then she was going around and flying about, and then she saw one of her friends, like one of her girlfriends who also did this sort of psychic practice. They were flying around, and then her friend told her, uh, whatever her name is, Julie, Julie, you died. Like, and she had just didn't know that she had, like, her body had died. And she just was like, oh, and then, like, just continued right. her existence as this, like, thing. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you it was trippy. But when I read that, I found it very comforting because right there, I, I suppose it did just eliminate the whole, you just missed your death completely. And, you know, I don't know. Well, it's funny because there, I think certain things come to us, I have to think. I mean, there is a there is a book called Stroke of I think it's Stroke of Insight. There are two, one Stroke of Genius, but I think that's a different one. There's a book called Stroke of Insight that's yes. all about um, this woman who had a stroke and she was a neurologist and so while it was happening, she knew what was happening mm. and she knew that she should call 911 because she was having a severe 
uh, brain trauma. Mm -hmm. And she knew that she had to do it immediately because with every minute you lose, the chances of you surviving it go down like 25% every... It's something crazy. It's all about those first couple minutes. So... And then ultimately what, what she describes and what she had to completely relearn how to speak and walk and every, she lost everything, but she ultimately came out of it and was rehabilitated. What she talks about, and she talks about it to people who, who have lost people to brain um, trauma, she talks about how much she didn't want to call 911 because what she was experiencing was so beautiful. Mm. And she felt this feeling of euphoria. Mm-hmm. And she'd never felt so good mm-hmm. that... Although she knew on one hand... I'm dying. I'm dying. Yes. She also didn't want to stop it. It's like a trip was starting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and after my mom died, this I, I turned on the TV and this woman was being interviewed. <coughs> and I listened for a couple minutes. And then I turned it off. And then one of my best friends, who's a physical therapist in New York, said to me, I really think you need to read this book. And I was like, oh, yeah, I got to read that. And then I didn't. Mm-hmm. And then Whitney Cummings, who's a friend of mine told me about this book and that I should read it. And I was like, yeah, 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 I'll read it. I, you know, won't read it. And then I ordered the wrong book. And then I finally got the right book. I mean, but the the way this book was coming to me was almost from another place. It was crazy. It's like Hitchcockian birds. Yes. It was like, (laughs) you will, you you will read this (laughs) one way or the other. And so finally I did. And it gave me a lot of comfort knowing that, because as I sort of said before, I don't really have a time. There are certain details that I am not seven years later, actually. I think I said five before. Seven years later, I'm not ready to quite learn. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I've, I have a lot of anxiety over whether my mom knew or what her feelings were and what she, you know. And, and so to know that it was a good experience right. and similar to the one you're describing of. Yeah. Well, th- my first thought as a lunatic when you told me the story and, and you told me that your mom was brain dead was the, I've referenced this book several times, but it, it's, and it's, I always say this: it's not even that great of a book. But it's by this guy. It's called Proof of Heaven, and it's this story of a guy who was brain dead for quite a while. Like, and he was a doctor. Whoa. He was also a brain doctor, so he knew exactly what was happening. So Whoa. when he's writing it, he's like, "I would have, uh, you know, definitely thought I would be brain dead forever, or whatever." And he was. I don't know if he was completely brain dead, but he was like heading there. Right. He was in the best place he's ever been. He was like, I don't think it was brain dead. He wasn't having normal activity, yeah. and it was getting worse every day. That's mm-hmm. what it was. And then he turned around because they figured out what it was. It was like E. coli virus or something. Uh, they got it out of him, and then he came back and was like, you know, one of those things where I... He yeah, was guess like, what, folks? Yeah, he was like, you kind of just woke me up back. from the best dream yeah. ever. He, he was happy to come back, of, of course, but he was like... Th- one of the things that I, I, I talk about clown goo, he was like, I was connected and knew everything. And that's exactly <laughs> what she describes is as that this right? feeling of oneness. Yes. Yeah. What, well, what's this feeling of like the phone is beautiful. I'm with the phone. There's no separation between me and objects yes. and space. Like a, a totally different experience. And we get experience. little glimpses of that. I, I, I was just watching, oh, what was it called? Something Unknown is Doing We Don't Know What, I think is what it's called. It's, just, it's on Apple TV. I, I highly recommend it. There was a, it's a documentary. There was this one astronaut who he was the sixth person to walk on the moon. So who gives a shit? <laughs> maybe top three, maybe top five. Nobody gives a fuck about number six. Me too. Fucking beat it. <laughs> he said he was floating outside of the, uh, of the uh, shuttle and looked beyond the moon. And you know, 
you can imagine that, but you also can't really imagine right. that. The idea that your entire gaze is just looking at the uh, entirety of space. And uh, he said that when he saw that, he had this epiphany that was very overwhelming, similar to this stroke mm-hmm. and similar to what this guy, Eben, was happening when, when he was uh, in his coma, was just a profound feeling of like the molecules in me used to be light years away. It used to be the stars. Mm. So the stars that I'm seeing burning up, you know, their information drifted towards the earth and made me. And we're like, all stardust. That's exactly right. We're all stardust. You listen to, what's that called? Stuff to blow your mind. Stuff to blow your yeah. mind. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, we're all stardust. We are. Exactly. And we're all Jesus mm-hmm. and we're all Buddha and we're all homeless and we're all clowns and I'm your dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? For sure. And I'm your mom. Mm-hmm. And, and you're your mom. And all this information is still mm-hmm. around. And it just goes back to we just need to wake up from the idea that there's any separation and that, and even that death is an illusion. Well, it's true. And even in this recording of your podcast, like after I just cried like that, <clears throat> I I've, I've felt strangely way more relaxed here. Yeah, sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But having – it's the same thing of the outside <clears> – <throat> the insides coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And willing a willingness to be seen that way mm-hmm. of just like well this is actually who I am mm-hmm. and you know you've now seen it mm-hmm. and it's it, the the experience has changed completely sure. because of it. It's completely true. And and when people can see, even if you're throwing up, holding your friend's hair back, anything inside coming out, and somebody witnessing that and being okay with that, mm-hmm. like getting you know somebody's tears on you or whatever you know it's a very intimate thing uh and and it's very beautiful you're seeing like their truth basically mm-hmm. i'm blood i'm tears i'm vomit i'm f- there's shit in semen, me right now. everything yeah, yeah well it's interesting i was trying to avoid semen but i remember reading but it's there too <laughs> an interesting article one of the reasons they surmise that one of the reasons why the cum shot i'm not even trying to be howard stern here i'm just saying in pornography, there's always people this, like... People want to see it. They want to see people it. People want to see people it. People want to see it, and people want to see it embraced. Absolutely. As a, like, And they were hypothesizing that there's a shame associated with it, like crying or throwing up or bleeding. So pornography often leads to, like, here it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, Mom, I have the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's oh, it's me. an exciting thing. Yeah. I have it. <laughs> so you say you still have a relationship with your mother. We always end by talking about um, God. And we've been talking about God this entire podcast. I mean, and? <laughs> what I'm wondering is, just to put it in certain terms, <laughs> do you think death is the end? Is it, is it a new stage? You say you, you have a relationship with your mom. Is that emotional or mental? Or, or do you think it is a spiritual thing? When I we... do think it's a spiritual thing. And I feel, <clears throat> I do feel her presence. I really do. And maybe I want to and look for it too, but... I'm okay with that, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't have all the answers <laughs> to it, and I'm searching, but I I pray, and I pray for her and my family, and I pray to something, but I don't quite know what it is. Mm-hmm. But even maybe in the act of putting that those thoughts out there, I'm hopeful that it will affect change or, or have an effect in the reality of the world as I mm-hmm. know it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I feel like I do have a relationship with her and it's very private and intimate and I, it's very hard to put into words cause it's, um, it's just very, it's not a, 
I don't know. It, I really do feel, though, that I've been protected. Hmm. I guess that idea of having someone out there who you, you think is probably looking over you, I, f- I feel that now. And I didn't before. Hmm. I felt very much so, even though I had a parent, <laughs> very much so sort of on my own. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I actually feel like I do think I have sort of an air of protection around me. That's great. Is that something? Yeah, that's definitely something. <laughs> Is that something? That's it, something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and when it comes, so it sounds like maybe you're open to the idea that when we're dead, it's not over. I am open to it. Yeah, and hopeful, I guess. And I'm hopeful about it. And not it. afraid. I'm not hearing some sort of fear of judgment. That's my other... I am afraid. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> I am afraid. Oh, yeah, Catholic. Yeah, I'm very much so afraid. <laughs> yeah. I feel a lot of guilt. But I... Um, I don't know. I, I'm definitely afraid of dying. And this is what I don't want the last thought to be is, oh, I wish I hadn't wasted so much time worrying about all that stuff. Mm. I feel, especially as a woman, I spend a lot of time worried about how I look, even knowing as I do that all that stuff fades. Mm-hmm. I worry about aging. I worry that I'm going to age myself out of roles and all of that. I worry about that a lot. And so... I don't want to, I, uh, but there's another worry that comes in, which is you don't want to be at the end of your life thinking, what the fuck was I worried about? Right. And just the amount of time and energy that was spent in the wrong place. Yeah. I feel very aware of that. And I don't want that to be the case. Right. And I already know I have regrets because I already know I have done that quite a bit. But sure. I don't know what I'm saying right now, but I, I don't want to be at the end and think, oh, you spent so much time worrying about your looks right. when that's so beside the point. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I'm trying to very much so spend that amount of time worrying about or concerned with my internal life and the internal life of others as opposed to. Right. But that's when you're living at your best. Yes. I, I'm, I'm fascinated with my own shift where there's um, late night Thai food uh, drinking alone, Pete. And then there's soaking up books and documentaries right. and just, like, is interested and is, is so – it goes back to the cab driver. It's like, I'd, li- I'd like to know – you're from the Ukraine, you, say? Yes. you know what I mean, or whatever it is. Curiosity um, about life. And that's I, – I worry about that, too, because, you know, I, I remember the five-year-old version of myself who was soaking in life and learning at right. such a rate. Right. Just a rate of growth mm-hmm. that I'm very worried has slowed down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're just, in my case, eating Thai food. Yeah. No, but I, I'm there, too. What's I'm the not... difference between those two people, though? Yes. And, and, and there is the me that, that, like we said, with hairlines or whatever it is that men are worrying about – we're, we're putting – so it's like if we could free up that ram, we might have it to learn about our cab driver. You right. know what I mean? But instead we're inward. Instead we're going to parties to get instead, instead of give. And it all goes back to like are we in service? What are we right. doing things for? What is the purpose of well, anything? And one thing that I – it's so practical but I has found helped even in this last week is that I turned <coughs> my phone off at 730 at night. This sounds so dumb. But, no, get into and it. And it's off. And it's not, and I'm not checking Twitter anymore or Instagram because mm-hmm. I find that, I mean, this is not a major insight at all. A million people have said this, but I really do think it's true. Mm-hmm. This, this feeling of everything's outside of me and there you uh, go. they're all doing stuff right? and I'm not a part of it. Or I, or I need this thing to connect me to people. Yes. It's the crack cocaine. It's the pornography version of the lovemaking you could be having. Yes, absolutely. With the connection with the world instead. And that's why it's so popular. 
It's because that's what we're yearning for. I'm almost looking forward to having a show that people are going to inevitably be talking about sh- shit about because then I, I won't be able to check social media. Oh, so good. Because right now all it is is like, I love you, and then every once right. in a while somebody's like, you look fat, and I'm like, block. Right, but that's right, one right. out of uh, 50. Uh, when the show comes out from what I've heard from Justin Lake and uh, Kroll and all these people, it's going to turn into garbage, and then, I, and then I'm actually going to have to you know, meet my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> So you feel good when you – see, I've, I've noticed about myself that if I check it and, – and Paul and I talked about this. When we check it and we, we don't – I don't leave it with the feeling of, a, of feeling good and No, connected. I don't feel good. I don't feel good. It's more relief that there wasn't something bad than it is. Right. It's stupid. It's horrible. It's crack. Right. It's a, but, it's, and, and, I, and by the way, I know that it's affected major social change and it's been used for, for sure. good in a huge way. So – but – but just as a daily... We're not um, talking about Twitter. We're talking about at replies. It's like a completely yeah. different thing. We're talking about comments. Yeah. Twitter is a good thing. But the- but also but also Twitter and just the seeing people write and just the <laughs> seeing the constant flow of information and seeing what people are doing. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's what I'm saying is good. See, I don't feel that that's good. Oh. For me, oh. I feel badly when I see... Not badly, but I don't feel... I guess I feel outside of their experience as opposed to connected to it. Well, it's interesting if you go to a concert or, or if any sort of phenomenon happens, if I see you after you hit your head on a stop sign. <laughs> no. But at a concert, the whole crowd is lit up with phones because we're all just right. filming it. We're all just proving that we were there instead of actually being there. Instead of realizing that that's the cake you're eating right now. Right. And you might die. You might have, mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to be just, you could have a brain aneurysm mm-hmm. right now. Put your phone There's away. There's no need to document it. It's keeping you in the future. Absolutely. Completely. And then when you're looking at it, it's keeping you in the past. Absolutely. Where? That's why I don't I don't take any photos. I Paul and I don't I don't have pictures of people. Right. Because I don't ever want to ruin a mom- moment by taking one. Yeah, that's interesting. I used to be that yeah. way. Now I forget everything, so I take a lot of photos. <laughs> but it, but I you know I'll take one. I'll take right. one. I don't. No, film that's good. I want. I need to take a the photo. entire uh, Green Day concert. Well, um, this has been lovely. Let me end by asking some basic questions. Well, we sure. could talk about the marriage thing. Katie, do you have to go? Don't you have another one right after this? Uh, there's one at two. Okay. We'll 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 we'll, we'll wrap. But I feel a mess. Do I have mascara dripping down my face? You don't. It's actually dripping up your face, which is very off-putting. Yeah, it's, it's kind of scary. Well, I've been also hanging from the ceiling <laughs> this whole time. Your anti boots. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think the correct thing to do here is to ask you the final questions. Uh, I'm making that executive decision. <laughs> uh, do you know one of the hardest times you've ever laughed? That's, that's one of the fun ender, enders here. Oh, wow. Certainly Paul's put on one of your dresses. <laughs> no, actually, I know I keep on talking about this, and I hope I don't cry again, but the hardest time I've ever left was when we were in that hospital room with my mom, and they had called in, they were calling in someone to uh, give us a final blessing, or or they were the local chaplain, or whatever yeah. that person is at the hospital, because it was a Catholic mm-hmm. hospital in Philadelphia. And, and it was Charlie Chaplin, <laughs> no. and he was hilarious. <laughs> so we're all, you know, waiting to have this final prayer. And this woman comes in, and she has on what are those? She has two braces on her arms, mm. like two canes that are attached. I don't know what they're called, like, but you know what I'm talking Forrest about. Forrest Gump for the arms. Thank you. <laughs> These are technical terms. She has on two Forrest Gump for the arms, and 
makes her and it was just a shocking yeah. it just was unexpected yeah yeah, yeah. matt damon from elysium yeah. comes in it was just unexpected <laughs> yeah, sure and she walks in and it's a tight space and there are a lot of people yeah. and she's trying to get over to a chair and the 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 um those metal things are going flying my sister almost tripped her we're bringing a chair over she can't fit on it we bring over another i mean the theater around this moment it was, was like it was like a clown circle it was a, it was clown work at its finest <laughs> yeah. which is the person who's supposed to come in to take care of us <laughs> wait that's who it was this is the chaplain oh i thought she, it was a random no, no, person no no no, no, no. this the was the woman who came was supposed in. to give us a prayer oh and we so that is funny so the prayer's about to start, but it was such a physical, it was like pure vaudevillian yeah, physical where sketch Where it didn't work. belong at all. Where it didn't belong at all. Yeah. And we started laughing. Yeah. And I she see my dad's too, shoulder go. Well, we are all we were all holding it in during the prayer right. as best we could. Church and then laughs, she right. walked out and that church left. There's something about I've never laughed so hard in my life. Yeah. It was because it was so wrong. Yeah, of course. You know, she hit my sister in the leg with this it was just it was just <laughs> so perfect. When you add a smidge of you're not supposed to laugh. And oh. in this case, you're you're doubling up. You're not supposed up. to laugh for so many reasons. There's like here. five reasons yes. you're not supposed to laugh at this. It was the hardest I've ever laughed. And I'm going to say it's almost like God himself sent you yes. The funniest oh, little absolutely. exit. And my mother was a funny fucker, and it was truly one of the funniest scenes I've ever wow, witnessed. That is fantastic. It was, it was clown work at its very finest. It was she would Lucille have been Ball. voted it out was... of the circle immediately. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, belly laughs all around. All around simultaneous. And there you go. That's fucking fantastic. I love that that tied into the other thing. Yeah, that was that's absolutely the hardest I've ever laughed. I love it. I love it. And I guess I could ask what kind of soap you use. I haven't asked that in a while. It's called Alba. Paul and I have started sharing <laughs> soap, which I can't believe has happened. Yeah. But we use... Um, <laughs> I try not to use products that have been tested on animals. I just found out my soap's tested on animals because of the show. It's lo- L'Occitane, and someone was yeah. like, all that shit's tested on animals. And I was Most like, of I didn't them know. are. All of it Johnson was, & Johnson. It and was all... French. I yeah. thought in France they didn't do shit like that. No, they do it pretty much They everywhere. just do it on poodles. That, that, by the way, that is probably, it's such a big brand that it's probably owned by Johnson & Johnson. But it says product of France. It may be made there. Oh, wow. They're yeah. outsourcing it. I know. It's it's amazing to find out how much is tested on Well, animals. I mean, unfortunately, I'm the kind of guy that buys in bulk, so I have a lot of the stuff. Right. But, like, I uh, once it's gone, I'm just going to go to Whole Foods bar. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure they don't test that. Or no. at least the animals are organically based. <laughs> <laughs> so you... You were saying you don't like products that are... So I'm trying to make a conscious decision to... Wean off? Yes. So our soap is now Alba, which does not test on animals. And um, it's like more of a body wash. Mm-hmm. I hope it's doing the same thing. Yeah, sure it is. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I've been more... I mean, I haven't used a bar of soap, and God, I can't remember how long. <laughs> this podcast has been chock full of the weirdest things. When I was in clown class, I learned from a hypnotherapist, and you're like, I haven't used a bar of soap in a long time. Well, there's really no need. If, if right. you were in a shower, and there was a bar, and then there was also the body wash. I feel like soaps are so slippery, and Sure. They're... And what they're not, too, like the ones I get at Whole Foods, 
because I, I mean, um, I use a bar for unmentionables, and the sure. body wash is more for the north of the equator. Of, of course, because uh, because it's like more fragrancy or whatever. Right. So anyway, I still have it. But when you get the the cut bar, it takes I'm going to say 14 showers before it becomes right. sleek like a bar of Safeguard tested on animals. Do you exfoliate at all? I I'm so glad you asked. I must know. I do exfoliate. Oh God. Especially, but I only do it before I shave. Okay, to get the pores open so that's a cleaner. It shave. makes it so much cleaner. And then it's you the don't break thing. out. And you don't break get out. That. It makes a huge. If I yeah. sometimes I'm on the road and I don't have my face wash or whatever with me, and I shave without exfoliating, I'm like, how the fuck right. do guys do this? Every man listening, if you're of right. a shaving age, just get some fucking cheap shit and exfoliate. Saint and that's Ives a good point. Whatever. But make sure it doesn't test on animals. Test animals. I don't know about saying knives. I think it does test on animals. But but you're right. But are the experiments over? They they are they already have their. Problems. Products. The thing is, is that the I think there's a weird idea if you have bad skin that you shouldn't be exfoliating. Mm. There's this sort of like it's, it feels anti-intuitive mm-hmm. when in fact your skin is breaking out because there's dead skin on it and it's drying. You oh, get rid so you're a big it. exfoliator. Oh yeah, I'm a big uh, beauty comes from the inside person. Where like I get I get compliments on my skin sometimes. And you have beautiful I, skin. Oh, thank you. I wasn't fishing, but it's because I drink this shit. Constantly, oh, you think that makes a big it difference? made a big difference. You can see pre. Oh, wow. This is juice, by the way. It's pre kale juice and post kale juice. The biggest wow. because and this is I've said this before, but your skin and your nails are the last thing to get nutrition. So nutrition mm. goes in your body, and then if there's any surplus, they're like, well, let's fix the skin and the nails, and that's why beautiful oh, wow. like eight, eight, one tone unitone skin, healthy skin, vibrant skin is so attractive because it's a it's a breeding sign that you're like this person is healthy. Right. Well, which goes back to what you were saying about men and hair and exactly. wanting hair. Yeah, yeah, I know. What the irony on that is, if you have more, te- your hair falling out is often a product of testosterone, which means if you're a decisive, strong, square-chinned, like probably like aggressive right. kind of guy, which are probably appealing things, you're, you're probably going to lose your hair. Right. But, well, I started going to, because uh, I'm curious if you're exfoliating your whole body or just your oh, face. No, because just I, the face. Well, then we need to talk about that. Hit it. I started going to a Korean day spa in which they lay you down on essentially a slab of cement Mm -hmm. and these ladies and you're naked Mm -hmm. and they go after you with a tiny little exfoliating sponge and when they first it is not pleasant it's a little bit painful but when it first happened I saw these like and flakes that were I would say a half inch that I opened my eyes and I saw these flakes just shooting by when she was exfoliating my shoulders. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. I guess there's some sort of weird, like, um, it must be the like th- eucalyptus, but not that, yeah. but something like something that, that they using. put in there. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, no, that's my skin. That's me. That's me. That was a me. That that's my outside by. on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And you would be shocked at how much skin on your the rest of your body needs to go. Really? Needs to go. Like a snake? Yes. I don't want it to go. It's got to go. Well, and you will feel you will feel so amazing afterwards. <laughs> I mean, the way that you feel, it's shocking. Tell me how it feels. I mean, like you don't have to... Like you're a newborn babe. Really? Like, yes. Soft? Soft. Healthy. I would let you touch my arm right now, but I haven't done it in a while. So it's it's actually we held hands. We did. I don't know if you <laughs> felt. Hands. I don't know if you felt. Did you see that I have girly doughy hands? I haven't worked a day in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I know my dad's hands are so cracked. My dad and, like, too. It's amazing. My dad's hands. Them. You could use it to build like the 
Parthenon? Yeah, anyway, sure. I'm just saying they're like stone. <laughs> I could it's have just amazing, said they were stone. I know. So, right. So, so Paul does I this would too. Paul exfoliates absolutely mm-hmm, his whole mm-hmm. body. Interesting. It's the largest organ we have, and it's living and breathing. And yeah, absolutely. And it needs help. Why would you think just your face and not the rest of your body? Because I'm not shaving the rest of my body. It's just for shaving. It's just for shaving. But I do my whole face just because I'm in there anyway. Right. But that's only, I only shave like two, two three times a week. Right. I'd encourage you to... Give it a try? Yeah. I wish there were a way to do it at home. Unless maybe men don't want to feel that soft. No, I like being soft. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, this, uh, the beginning is in the sure, end. Sure. The end is in the beginning. <laughs> I'm a girl man, like your wife. <laughs> I called him your wife by accident. I didn't even I mean, mean I'm that. such a man. It's totally it's a fine. joke. That's great. <laughs> I don't know how old I am. How'd this get made? I lost it. <laughs> How did I get made? How did I get made? When did I get made? When did I get made? <laughs> and then Manzoukas. Hey. Hey, it's me, Jason Manzoukas. <laughs> it's not even good. I just like trying. The beginning of it was. Hey. There's something about it. Yeah. It's like the abstraction of Jason Manzoukas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Sort of I don't have any accurate it. impressions. It's fine, though. But just, yeah. just essence. Just essence. Yeah. Here's a fun activity. <laughs> For me. If you go, when I was at the roast, I saw you guys at the roast. Yeah. Everyone that I was seeing, I was the stars doing were out that night. I know, they were stars. shining bright. I did an impression of everyone I saw. It was just so fun. <laughs> I was just like, I'm just doing impressions of everybody, even if you, you know, never try. It's just a fun, and it's a weird kind of they're being seen. Some people didn't like it, but wow. most people liked Who it. Who didn't like it? Um, I don't know. Let me see. Who did I do it for that might not have liked it? I remember I made fun of John Daly's shirt because I was in roast mode, and he—I don't think he liked that. Okay. But everyone was being roasted, right? And all I said was, "It it's looked the like spirit of the night." Yeah, but like he wasn't wearing a tie, and then maybe he felt sensitive about it. See, it's again guys right. being more like girl. Do you? Feel... And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm yeah, not, no. I, I'm, I'm saying I feel like I was an asshole. Yeah. And I was using the excuse of we're at a roast. Right. And I, I feel like I shouldn't have said it. Do you, would you ever do a roast? I'd lo- I love have being roasted. I, ha- I have and I love roasting. You do? I'd love to roast anybody we know. Wow. I love it, it to death. It gives me so much anxiety. Oh, it's my favorite thing. It, it's... And, but I did enjoy myself a lot that night. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it all right. I, I, wa- I want my roast to be uh, all friends and... Um, Something about, like, the venue just wasn't right. It's supposed to be, like, this little Friars cr- Club yes, back room space was thing. Too, it was cavernous. Yeah. And it's a TV taping. And it, and it just loses uh, Ultimately, it yeah. And, you know, I would read off a prompt or two, but there's something about just, like, drunkenly going up, right. barely reading your notes. Right, right, right. Improvising stuff. Like, Jeff Ross had his hair in dreads, as right. if to say, like, here's something to make fun of. No Nobody one addressed it. it. I think Seth Rogen said one thing about it. I don't remember that, what well, it was. I'm not trying to put Seth Rogen down, but he has writers. Right, of course. No, I knew that, Dur- but at least it was referenced. But during the, the you know, during the some people are writing. No, I know. Shows, you know what I mean? But it was the only Right. It was the only time it was addressed. I commented on it at all, yeah. And I and but, but the, look, I maybe I'm not saying I would have, but I'm saying that that situation making it this thing cuz people break on those roasts. Right. You know, you go out and you kill and it's this huge thing. Amy Jesselnick got shows out right. of it. You know what I mean? Jeff Ross got a show out of it. All this stuff. So, like, it's, I don't think it's supposed to be that way necessarily. I like the TV roast. I'd love to do one of those. But, like, the perfect roast for me is I would love to roast Paul. And I would love to talk about how, 
you know, he's probably a sociopath underneath it. You know, the same sort of things <laughs> right. you could make fun of for me. Right. Or Manzukas and how right. he wears the same clothes every day. Like, it's fun. The the idea of a roast to me is you take the things, the worst things that you say behind people's backs, and there's this catharsis, there's this exfoliating mm. quality of being like, this is what we say about you. Wow. Pete, you go to a hypnotherapist and cry. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to make fun of you. But your, your stuff face. is already out there. I know that because I'm defensive. I think defensive. you'd be very hard to roast. I think I'd be a lot of fun to roast. But it would be it would be hard to get a scoop on me. That's, That's I guess, sure. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. But... Oh, wow. Well, that does sound... You're right. And there's the... To describe the energy in those rooms at the tapings, it's so... It's like not even negative energy, just dead energy. Yeah. It's the weirdest thing ever. Like an awards show or something like that. To watch people you love and who are performers have to combat that strange, strange energy in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just bizarre. The only way to do it is to go right at it. And that's why we love Jeff Ross, because Jeff and Sarah and Natasha were the only people that really did a traditional roast. And that's the way you're supposed to do it, is not apologize. Right, it's supposed right, to be right. this, like, we're, we're in a... There were a lot of apologies. We're in clown class, and and I love you, and that... Kumail, right. I, I've said this many times. When I got roasted on my 30th birthday, Kumail said, Hey, Pete, your ex-wife called. Just kidding, she's too busy with the new baby. Right? <laughs> the laugh I had at that was one of my hardest laughs ever. And it was this weird sound I must have made that was like part pain, but also there's this beautiful... Well, I've never thought about... Roasts usually make me anxious, but you're right because he's seeing you. He sees me. He's met my wife, my ex-wife. You know what I mean? Like he's met her. He knows she's pregnant. (laughs) That's insane. Like... Please, for someone like me, I don't know the astrological thing that likes to be seen, that mm-hmm. likes my mom to hear me in the other mm-hmm. room play piano, and for better or worse, that's my kind of dysfunction. I like an audience, which goes back to my social anxiety because I don't know if I'm being seen at a party because it's too loud, and how are you going to hear how clever I am? But I need to change that and just be <laughs> like, what if I look and listen to, to you and mm-hmm. be outward? Uh, that's what I'm working on currently. But um, to be seen so hard and, and to have someone give you the respect of saying, you're so good. If someone says something really mean to you, they're saying, you're so good and I respect you so much. That's why we were successful people. Uh, mm. I'm a, I can say something really terrible about you. And really the undercurrent is Irish funeral. I love you. Right. But I think your reaction to it is probably different from a lot of other people because Certainly. of your awareness of yep. self. Yeah. Whitney, our friend, told mm. me, I think this is okay to say that, like, a lot of the female roasters do a lot of crying afterwards. I'm sure. Yeah. Although our friends, you know, Natasha got off really easy. Yes. Because, unfortunately, I I think a lot of people didn't have anything for her. I mean, even hearing Sarah's age get attacked, I had a hard time with that. Yeah. Only because she's not, I don't. To me, she's... I don't know. I, I had a hard time with that. Of course you so, did. So, and I felt personally... Well, that's you up there. And, yes. and I'm sensitive about my weight sometimes. Even I mean, you can have at it. Go for it. I, I'll meet you there <laughs> in the fat joke town. But, you know, when they're making fun you of... You think you're fat? No. Well, okay. see, I mean, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, when I think about you, which is often... Yeah, Dad. <laughs> I never, ever... In fact... In my mind, you're a very slender guy. No. Absolutely. That's I hope you hear that. You're, ve- you're a very slender I'm guy. I'm going to say that to myself in the mirror later. <laughs> you're a very slender guy. You're trim. I appreciate that. Well, come on. You're trim. <laughs> <laughs> now I give you a, a copay. 
<laughs> I've been fighting a real illness this whole yeah, time. Clear. I'm so sorry. That's okay. My eye's been I really leaking nonstop. That. And you're lovely and youthful. <laughs> I just want to return the compliment, but it's true. Um, well, great. Do you feel good? I feel great. I feel great. I'm glad you did it. Me too. Um, what's one embarrassing thing about Paul? And then that'll be the last thing. Is he gassy? Embarrassing thing about Paul. <laughs> no, he's not gassy. Talking asleep. Oh, look at that little That's munchkin. Um, it's my daughter. I have two Asian children. Is that right? No. <laughs> Mia and Gil. Uh, what is an embarrassing... Paul's very anal. <laughs> really? Not so much embarrassing, but just like... There he are, wants things I a specific I think what way. you said about him in terms of your roast, I think there are things people don't know about him. <laughs> yeah, okay. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Which I'm, I feel honored to know, I'm, and I don't think it's anything that's... Oh, it's Goodwill Hunting. That's yeah. the good stuff. Yeah, yeah it yeah, is yeah. the good stuff, but... See? There's um, Gil. That's my son. <laughs> Boy, he's getting tall. I should really spend more time with him. Hi, Gil. But I think he's, you know, he really likes things just so. Really? It's an area we struggle in, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are we talking remotes on the ottoman, or are we talking... Well, like, this is a perfect example. I came from a family where I never had new clothes. They were just handed down to me, and, you know, if if a bag of saltines came into the house, it was eaten immediately. We never had, like, a (laughs) cupboard of snacks. Like, I remember going over to other kids' houses and seeing just, like, cupboards devoted to snacks. (laughs) Yeah. And it, that just blew my mind. Right, right, right. Like yeah. you can, you have the self control to he- have them here at all times. Right, Whereas right. in our house, if a box of Oreos came in, I mean, we were like vultures; they were mm. gone immediately. Mm-hmm. We had no self control. And <laughs> but for Paul, and and we didn't really have our own things. It was if everything was shared. And Paul, you know, I remember saying, hearing him say one time about a bottle of water in the fridge. That's my water. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Sure. And I was like, "What? What do you? What just? What do you mean?" Yeah. And but he has an attachment to his things, and he's an only child. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm always like, "That's our water. If it's anyone, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 you yeah. know." Interesting, interesting. So there's that. That's very sweet. I like that. That's your example. I was looking for gassy. What are you looking for? Gassy. No, although he always accuses me. This is like an ongoing bit. I hope. Of like, oh man, you were farting in your sleep last <laughs> night. Like this, and I get so upset about it. So that's just ongoing. That's great. <laughs> when Kristen Shaw did the podcast, I made fun of her because she accidentally texted me when she meant to text her husband. <gasps> and she said, you were a real fart monster last night. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? That's horrible. Claire, Although, yeah. by the way, even <laughs> I was trying though to do Chris you don't do it. Abort, she abort, hates it. abort. She hates it. That's one of the ones that hates it. I will it. say, though, I'm not someone who likes bathroom talk with a partner. Like, I, uh-huh. I very much so. I that know, I know inside, I like to uh, it comes keep out. it inside. <laughs> <laughs> keep it very much so inside. Sure, okay. So I'm not I'm not for that in a, a sexual romantic relationship. I understand. I'm, I'm absolutely for and behind those boundaries. Those are good boundaries. For me, you know. It's interesting. When I, if, I, if we're making our, our commune, I often think like if I did have some sort of hippie uh, plot of land that uh, everybody's just free and, right. and uh, present and Tom Cruise-y and loving each other. Right. I'm like, we're still going to have doors on the yeah, bathroom. Thank you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> thank you. You know what I mean? I don't need to see that. I don't need to see that. I understand. I'm all set. Yeah. And you know what? And I, I don't, I, I'm saying this for the women and for me. Uh, you can shave your armpits if you want to. Okay, great. That's what I'm going to say. These are the rules of my commune. And I can, you know, if I if there's something cosmetically that I want to do that might not be exactly how I am, you know what I mean? Right. I can, can do, do that, that as well. <laughs> I don't even want to say what those things are. I'm so scared of what those Is things it? are. Well, there's some anal bleaching. <laughs> 
And I'm just saying, if that makes me feel more in touch with <laughs> then Gaia, then so be it. Then so be it. Well, this was lovely. Thank you. Thank you June. so much. Yes, June. I'm going to give you the time. Thank you so much for having June. me. June. Pete. June. Pete. Thank you for doing Pete, this. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Would you say uh, keep it crispy? Keep it crispy. Thank you. <laughs> June. Somewhat oh boy, confused. Oh <laughs> keep it crispy. Keep Now leaving Nerdist.com.